Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi guys, welcome to Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast brought to you by King's Comics in Sydney. My name's Siobhan, my co-host name is Levens. What's up? And every week we read a huge stack of comics um, to let you know which are the ones that you should be reading and which are the ones you should be throwing out. And you can find every comic we talk about on the show at King's Comics, which is 310 Pitt Street, Sydney, or online at kingscomics.com. Uh, this week in comic books, we read a whole bunch more of the DC Rebirth number ones, Woo. or number 700 and something, so if you're reading <laughs> the Detective and Action <laughs> Comics. Uh, we got the first glimpse of uh, the many, many crossover titles that will come with Civil War Two over at Marvel, and uh, we also will be doing a guide to Archie Comics yeah. later on in the episode. Um, but yeah, as we, as we talked about with DC Rebirth, there are a stack of number ones this week, some of them... Some of them were not DC, but most of them were. So let's begin with first things first. We'll review the first issues of new series that have started in the last week. And um, yeah, so we, this week we got the uh, the rebirth issues of Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and The Flash. Now these rebirth issues, even though they say number one on them, they're almost like a... Uh, it's like a one-shot to give you an introduction to what the status quo is going to be in the DC rebirth universe. Yeah. So I, I kind of would love to uh, stop reading... Some of these series based off of these first these these rebirth number ones because some of them I don't like, um, but I feel like that will be not really giving. Yeah, like I mean, I, some of these are not you. with the full creative that's team, um, and I think it's probably it's one of those things that seems very editorially mandated of like we need to we need people to understand what's going on, and so we just need to put out a one one shot really really quick and just get it out, and that's yeah. how these felt really. Yeah, so we'll begin with Wonder Woman Rebirth, which is written by Greg Rucker, who is mm-hmm. going to be the series writer from this point forward, um, returning to Wonder Woman after about a decade. And now he is, uh, after, I mean, we all thought that he w- that Greg Rucker would stop writing for DC Comics forever. He had kind of almost said, said as much. Yeah, it seemed ago. quite a, not a good, not a good breakup. Because he was actually meant to write uh, Wonder Woman Earth 1 which ended up being written by Grant Morrison. And what a different book it yes, would have been definitely. if Greg Rucker had written it. Um, so, look, Greg Rucker clearly has a great grasp of, 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 uh, of Diana, Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this this book is uh, drawn by uh, Matthew Clark, Sean Parsons, uh, Liam Sharp, Jeremy Colwell, 
and then Colors by Laura Martin. So it's a, a big team. I don't think any of them are going to be the creative team from this point forward. Um, no. Basically, Wonder Woman is going to be a bi-monthly book. Most DC books have become bi-monthly. Very sneaky of DC to be like keeping everything at two ninety nine price, but then double shipping most. I mean, things. that's still better than what Marvel do. So it's yeah, still, it's still two dollars better a month. That's true. That um, is true. Wait, bi-monthly doesn't mean twice a month, does it? it twice a month no, means yeah. twice a month. Yeah. So these are coming out <laughs> twice a month. We're glad we covered Fortnightly. that now. Fortnightly. That was way easier to say it. Um, uh, and one issue. Like the first issue is going to be the present day adventures of uh, of Wonder Woman, um, and then we also get um, every every other issue of Wonder Woman is going to be like Wonder Woman Year One, mm. um, and that'll be drawn by the fantastic Nicholas Scott. So extremely excited about those issues. Um, so this kind of sums up this issue Rebirth Number One. Kind of sums up, I guess, what's happened to to Diana um, in the last couple months of mm. events at DC, uh, and then we get a glimpse of. Uh, I guess what the, what the what the story will be now. Um, the problem with reading all of these books one after the other in the same night is they all kind of mesh together. Yeah, I know. I, I was looking over that. Like, what actually happened in this? There were a couple of things that, like, I mean, it's sort of dealing with the. There's, uh, as with most comic book characters, Wonder Woman has a number of um, origin yes, stories, of and it's kind of dealing with the conflicting timelines and those sorts of things. One thing that I thought was really interesting in this issue, and that I hadn't, I, I don't know if this is something that Wonder Woman does super regularly. But she uses the lasso of truth on herself. Yes. But then she's answering questions that she doesn't know the answer to. So is she just giving herself a new magic power? Yeah, I don't know. That's, That's weird. very weird. So yeah, if, if she ever wants to figure out something, she can just she put can it just on ask herself. herself. And, uh, yeah. Um, the thing that I thought was coolest is uh, her new her new costume. Yes. That's definitely. probably my favorite thing. I've never. I don't like. I liked the Azarello Cliff Chang series a lot and I know costume isn't everything but I didn't really love that redesign just because the silver looked weird to me yeah sure so I I like this a lot more it's much more of a classic it looked good when Cliff Chang drew it it did not look good when anyone else in DC yeah agreed agreed (laughs) um yeah so now we get a very very like classic kind of regal I love her yeah what would you call those pants they're not pants what are like like a skirt yeah it's sort of like like flappy greek whatever yeah it's real cool. Yeah, and, it's a nice, uh, it's a nice redesign. Yeah, so I guess this kind of sets up, you know, given the many alternate kind of uh, different versions of her origin story that we've mm. had of Wonder Woman in the of all years, she kind of smashes all of those, you know, all these preconceptions of what she knows about herself, and that kind of opens the door for them to kind of do a proper Wonder Woman origin story. Yeah, um, that ties in, you know, the clay. Was she made from clay? Is she the um, the daughter of Zeus? Mm. Is she like yeah? Um, so I'm looking forward to, to, I mean, year one stories are always pretty great. So. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think that there's a couple of year one stories that we've heard plenty of times and I never seen, I never need to see Batman's origin story ever again. Sure. But Wonder Woman is one that like, I think we could all do with a bit of a, bit of a refresh and a bit of a definitive Definitely. look at her origin. Um, obviously Batman year one is probably the fam- most famous year one story mm. and, and probably the first as well. Have, mm. have, have you got any favorite year one stories? I'm pretty fond of Batgirl year one. Oh yeah, Batgirl that, year that Marcus one. Marcus Martin art. That was so amazing. Good. Robin year one that they yep. also did. I can't think of who the creative team on that though. That was brilliant. Chuck Dixon, I think. Mm. Um, God bless Chuck Dixon. What happened to him? He, I, I think he did his time. He probably wrote about 6,000 uh, yeah, yeah, he Batman, wrote so Robin many comics. or different Batman universe comics. He, he, he deserved he wrote a break. Such amazing Nightwing comics. Birds of Prey, mm-hmm. all the good stuff. Um, cool. So let's move from. Uh, I mean, look. I, I, I think final word on on this rebirth issue of One Norman is like I don't think it's necessary to read. Nah. Um, if you have missed, you know, because I mean, who who actually wrote 
Wonder Woman um, in the last year. Was that does David? Was it David, was David, David and Meredith Finch? Yeah. Right. If you did not enjoy that depiction, which many mm. people did not, um, then you might it might be refreshing to see this version of Diana in a book again. But I think you can just come on board with Wonder Woman number one, which comes out next month. Yeah. I'd agree. I would agree with that. Yeah, actually, I think I might, might even come out sooner than that. It's crazy. Like, I, I, I think this week is is the week that we get all all the actual series starting. Yeah. Um. So uh, in two weeks. So yeah, week after next, we get Wonder Woman number one, and then July thirteen is Wonder Woman number two, in which we get the start of year one. So look forward to that. Hopefully, Greg mm. Rucker is a is a great writer. I don't think he's ever done anything that I disliked. There are certainly things that I've liked more than other things he's written. Yeah. But um, at he, worst, his stuff is like. Boring. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, Very rarely offensively bad. Cool. So that was us uh, being quite positive about <laughs> about one of these new rebirth comics. Um, what's the opposite of positivity? Um, it, it might be Aquaman rebirth. Uh, so this is uh, written by Dan Abnett, um, and uh, I like Dan Abnett. He's responsible, along with Andy Lanning, for kind of giving us the version of Guardians of the Galaxy that we saw on the big screen. Yeah. Um, and he they, they they basically strengthened the Marvel cosmic stuff in such a fantastic way. Almost a decade ago, and yeah, such a brilliant team, and and like just basically telling this epic story that 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 they told through separate series featuring separate characters that all kind of built up to this one big cosmic event. Mm. Really, really great stuff. And he's written lots of great stuff um, independently of Annie Lanning as well. Um, I've really enjoyed his Hercules run, which we're going to be um, talking about later in the show yep. as well. Um, but. I uh, I did not enjoy this uh, this Aquaman Rebirth number one. Well, no. It's, it's uh, yeah, I mean, Aquaman, poor old Aquaman. It's such a difficult one to get right. And I, I mean, I, for me, I think the most perfect version of Aquaman and like the version that worked the most for me is the, um, the, uh, the guy swimming towards the camera in Batman v Superman, right? That's the one. No, um, the, you know, harpoon handed, long hair, loner, like stay out of my ocean, yeah, Frankie old man. Totally that was my favorite version. Yeah. I don't. This is a very... I, I understand what they're trying to do, and I understand that everyone sees this potential in Aquaman of, like, you know, the ocean's so big, and there's all these politics and of the people who live in the ocean and all that kind of stuff, but I just don't I just don't think it really works for some reason. Yeah, I can't... I mean, I read... I, I can't even tell you the creative team that, that I read, but, I mean, one memorable Aquaman story is like that, that from recent times is, like, there's a big flood. Yeah. And... and uh, that's all I can remember. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm terrible with Aquaman as a character. If you're listening right now and you have like a beloved Aquaman run, yeah. I know a lot of people are quite fond of the Jeff Johns relaunch for DC, DC New 52 um, mm. a couple of years ago. Um, but Aquaman is, yeah, I mean, I think he, I've seen him depicted well in like team books from time to time. Yeah. And, and I think. And as like a cameo character, but. Also in Batman Brave and the Bold. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. like the best. Incredible. So funny. Um, but just this, this trying really hard to make him a serious character to be taken seriously, I think is really exhausting. And like, they, they're constantly laboring on the, like, he doesn't talk to fish guys. He can't talk to fish. Yeah. Like no one cares. Make him talk to fish. It'd be way cooler. It'd be way funnier. And I feel like, you know, you don't make Aquaman less of a joke by pointing out that some people view him as a joke repeatedly in this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah. I just find that really boring. The, 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 actually the, the, the narration of this, I found very, very boring. Yeah. And the, the, the whole like you know Mira is the thing that keeps him grounded even though she disagrees with his politics it just makes it sound like Mira is like lessening herself for the sake of liking Aquaman Um, and it seems like they're setting it up for her to just be used as a pawn to get 
revenge against him, which is very exhausting to see happening again to female characters. Like, we, yeah. you need to stop killing off female characters. I doubt they using, will. No, I don't think yeah. they will. But, you know, like, it's... Because I feel like this this rebirth thing, the whole point is like, hey, we don't kill women anymore. Mm. <laughs> Look at how good are we? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and we get a, we get a, a new Black Manta at the end. Like, I mean, I guess he he is Aquaman's most famous villain, but I yeah. feel like I, I I finished this and I was like, Black Manta again. I don't care about Black Manta. Yeah, like, like I mean, do something new. Yeah, anyone else? Give him a new. Uh, yeah. It's very, it's very difficult. I'm, I'm much more interested in like the politics between the ocean and the land, and, mm. and like him being a king. And but then all, all of that stuff that's hinted on that here actually is actually really boring as well. This, I don't know. This again, again, it, it's unfair to judge the entire series of the base of this because the, you know they, he may, Abnett may have written an entire series worth of a comic, and then mm. you, oh, we also need to do a rebirth issue. So just just put that in there. Yeah. Just make a story up. It's not important. Yeah, we'll sell it. Um, yeah, you can skip this one for sure. Agreed. And uh, we will. Don't worry, we will we'll actually read the the proper Aquaman when it starts. We'll. And hopefully, we won't say the same things. <laughs> and hopefully, Dan Abner won't say the same things in the comic either. Yeah. Um, this is actually probably my favorite DC Rebirth comic of the of this week. Um, the Flash Rebirth, um, mm. written by Joshua Williamson. Um, and uh, I actually the, the the weakest thing about this I thought was um, uh, the art. It's it's good. It was just very um, look. It looked it looked rushed. Yeah. Um, and it's probably not not no one's fault. Um, Carmine D. Gian Domenico nailed it. I think so. Perfect. Um, and colors by Ivan uh, Placencia. Um, <laughs> yep. Are you Italian? It. <laughs> 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 no, I, I, they're definitely not Italian, so I hope not. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, this is like a this is a, a really really sweet story about mm. Barry and um and, and, and this is like one of the few titles that also ties into the rebirth number one issue that Jeff mm-hmm. Johns released um a couple of weeks ago, and you kind of see um Wally West's return from Barry's point of view in mm-hmm. this, and I thought that was really great, and I kind of wish all of these rebirth issues re- like revolved around those characters at that point in time of the. Uh, of the rebirth number mm. one, yeah, um, absolutely. This is the one that sort of um, felt like it wasn't just tacked on, you know. Like it, it, it was obviously like it felt relevant. And it felt like it made sense in the story. One thing that I did really like about the art, and it's something that I've not noticed before, is how different Wally and Barry looked when they were running. Like Barry's much closer to the ground and longer, and then Wally's quite sort of upright. And I thought that was quite a really Interesting, cool distinction between the two of them yeah, visually. You, you know what? I actually take back my criticism of the art. I think I it, it is stark when, on the first few pages, but you yeah. get used to it very quickly, and it, it's it's fine. Yeah, it's good. Um, I don't know if I love the uh, like. I don't. Th- I don't think the speed lines are drawn. They're kind of added in afterwards on computer, and it like, looks a bit weird. Mm, I also like. I mean, it's so weird how Barry's got electricity around him at all times now. Oh yeah. That's weird. Does that happen when he takes off his costume still? Because <laughs> you would probably, assume. <laughs> no, because no, no, we do see Barry without a costume here and he's not electrified. Uh, you also have, yeah, so, I mean, I love about Barry Allen as a character that he is a um, um, crime scene investigator. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this is him dealing with a, a case that's remarkably similar to the death of his mother, which mm-hmm. has been, a you know, uh, a driving point for why he does what he does and, mm-hmm. you know, plop on the area visit. Quite, quite frequently, even with the uh, event that led to the New 52 um, Flashpoint. It was all mm-hmm. revolved around him trying to stop that from happening. And, um, 
yeah, I mean, it's great. You know, he goes and visits Batman. It just felt like a wider DC Universe book instead of this, like, very um, small kind of, you know... Unnecessary just, yeah, exactly. story. Aquaman just felt like a bunch of... Uh, a bunch of narration and yeah. then a weird reveal at the end. Whereas it doesn't, this doesn't have like a big reveal at the end. No, it was just like an, a, a cool issue part of it. I mean, I, get, I think that's supposed to be a little bit of a reveal. Like, I mean, I think we're probably getting a, another evil speedster coming back, whether that zoom or. Well, I, 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 I think the, um, the, this story is about a bunch of different people in um, what's Flash's city called again. Is it? Oh man, I can never remember. There's like Central City. Central City, I think it's Flash. Yeah, I think that's right. If we right. got that wrong, I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Flash. Sorry, guys. Sorry to both Flashes. Sorry to all four Flashes <laughs> and the Flash family. Um, I think it, there's a bunch of different people get speed powers in, in, in Central uh, City and then okay. someone starts killing them. Oh, cool. Yeah. That sounds fun. That sounds yeah. like a fun Sounds book. like Spider Island gone wrong. <laughs> um, so yeah, looking forward to this run, I think. Um, and Joshua yeah. Williamson is a, is, is, a, is a strong writer for sure. What else has he done? I don't, um, I don't know why I said that because I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it was a good you issue. Me out. You Sorry, me out. <laughs> it was a good issue. So I agree that he was like a good writer in that. But let's see what else he's done. The name's really familiar. Oh wow, he's written quite a lot. So he's written quite a few. Um, I wrote that voodoo series. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, okay. Maybe he's not a good writer. Um, <laughs> actually, isn't that voodoo series like quite well regarded? We just no one, no one read it. I thought that this was. Is this the one that came out in the new Fifty Two where she was a stripper? Because I was not into that. Oh, right. Okay, cool. Yeah, fair enough. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. <laughs> I keep anyway. saying things that I shouldn't. <laughs> um, anyway, let's hope this is better than that. I would I would read a story about Barry Allen being a stripper. Yes, I would. That would be fun. That would be way better. Um, all right, Detective Comics. This is this was uh, the Rebirth issue, but it is not number one. Oh, no. It is 934. We also got Action Comics 957. I find it so annoying when they do that. Because every, every so often DC will be like, no, nah, going back to the original numbering because they're but, out to like yeah, legacy but, titles. But, but they don't actually go back to the original numbering because they've left out... Uh, what, cause he, um, what's what's 934 minus 52? Yeah, because yeah. that's where they're, and then so, so there's no, even though we've got issue 934, there's no 932, 920, those just don't exist. Yeah, whatever. It's really annoying. Uh, this is written by James Tinney in the fourth, and uh, art by a bunch of people that are probably not on the book in the future, although the art in this is pretty sick. Yeah, it was pretty nice. I liked it. I, I really liked this issue a lot. I thought it was cool. I like, um, most of the issues dealing with Batman deputizing Batwoman, yep. Kate Kane, um, who is his relation. It's uh, uh, yeah, so it's all, it's it's less about Batman this book. It's more about Batwoman leading a team mm. of uh, of Gotham's finest to uh, stand up against a uh, a big army wide threat. Mm. Up. Uh, it was penciled by Eddie Barrows and um, inks by Eva Ferreira. And um, colors by Adriano Lucas. I um, I thought this book was fun, but I also feel like they really could have stretched a lot of this story out. Like they they had they basically put the team together in like a series of montages of either yeah. Batman or Batwoman finding. You know, you've got Robin, spoiler, orphan, and then Clayface. Yeah, uh, which I actually really liked his inclusion. So Same. Clayface is 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 not evil in uh, in in this in in DC universe anymore. Mm. You know, he's fucked up a few times, but he wants to do right. He just has this, he's just a you know big deformed blob of a dude mm. that's that's trying his best. You know, he just wants to get by. You know. Um. But yeah, I I thought like you could have actually told the story of them of them be- and, getting and, a band and then, together, you know, and then actually like yeah like either coming across them or getting 
each of them individually for separate missions and then, you know, they become a bigger team. But mm. instead we get these, like, yeah, these montages of, like, you know, you've been lonely lately. Maybe you should come and do this to yeah. occupy your time. What do you think about that, huh? But I also think, like, this at least means that in the, you know, the next issue we just jump straight into the action. Great point. Um, so I hope, I hope that's what happens. Yeah, I don't. I hope we miss that. Um, you know, those first eight issues of the, of them tr- not not working very well as a team. Yeah, that's a boring trope. I just want to see people succeed. And plus, I think that they would work together as a team because they've all been trained by Batman. Even Clayface. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> what no, what no, did no, Batman no. train him how to do? <laughs> Act. Cry in movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, I'm I'm looking forward to this series. I think this is a this is a good like first issue that. Um, yeah. That, that does more than just, you know, kind of explain a sentence-long status quo for an entire issue. You yeah, kind of, absolutely. You see, you see why they're doing it, and you see who's going to be involved. And, um, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I think Batwoman is a, is a really strong character. Mm. So this means that, that there's no Batwoman ongoing series now? No, I don't think there is. Damn. Yeah. Uh, but I like her. I like her as a team leader. You yeah. know, I think that's a cool, um, a cool development for that character, especially because she is sort of an army... Um, well, she was a Marine, I think. Is yeah. Her, is her well, history? I was actually first introduced to Cat Kane in um, a back, bunch of backups in Detective Comics years ago. The ones mm. that Greg Rucker wrote. Yeah, that was like the best. That was so good. So, um, yeah, it, it's fitting that she she's leading the detective title, I guess. Totally. Let's move over to Action Comics number 957, written by Dan Jurgens, who, if Chuck Dixon has written way too many Batman comics in his life, Dan Jurgens has written way too many Superman comics. Yeah. But he's actually, you know, he's, he... he 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 wrote the Lois and Clark series, mm-hmm. um, which which you really liked. And, yeah, absolutely. And so he still gets Superman, and you definitely see images, you know, moments of him really understanding Superman here. Yeah. Um, I got really excited at the beginning where you see Lex Luthor don the Superman chest um, emblem and and kind of try and keep. Uh, almost said Gotham. Luckily, I didn't. Nice. Metropolis. Um, Metropolis safe. Uh, but then it's um, you you see. The, this, is, this is going to be so confusing to talk about every time. You see yeah. the old pre-New 52 Superman who's been living in the New 52 world with his Lois and his his son. His son. Their son. Um, you see him see Lex Luthor try and be, you know, stop a crime on television. And he knows in his heart that no matter where you are, Lex Luthor is a bad guy. Yeah. So he goes to stop him. Which I think is pretty prejudiced. Really, of this Superman. I think not all Lex Luthers. <laughs> um, I think I really liked. Um, I really liked them bringing back the old John Byrne thing of Superman shaving by using his laser vision on a mirror. Um, on a mirror, yeah, shaving like that. I thought that was quite funny. Um, yeah, but yeah, but I, I also like Superman with a beard. So yeah, I know. Like, why couldn't you just keep the beard, man? It looked way cooler. Um, but it was. It, this was a solid issue. I thought. I thought it was fine. You know, oh, yeah. I'll read the next one. I just. I just don't. Like, you see Doomsday return at but the end of not, this issue. You know what I'm confused by? That's not Doomsday. That is clearly Camo. Come on, guys. Is that who that is? Okay, right. I, 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 well, I mean, I don't I don't know if that's who they're saying I didn't it is. Re- but that's... I didn't read the, the story where, where the old Superman died, but it was at the hands of Doomsday, right? I, yeah, I didn't read it. So, <laughs> so I think is, so. This is stupid, though. I don't, I don't want to read... Yeah, I don't. I'm Doomsday is the least compelling Superman villain of all time. Definitely. All he can do is punch. He was created to just be like a punching guy, and he's not like. I mean, when you have Lex Luthor and Brainiac and the um, Bottle City of Candor and all these amazing villains to deal with, why? Yeah. Why would you bother doing another Even Doomsday? Even Parasite's story? more interesting. Even than Parasite than is more interesting. Like, yeah, yeah I don't get it. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm not. I'm not excited to. Uh, 
to uh, to to read the Superman series. Um, oh, there's a couple of confusing things in this. Though. That's what I mean. Like it's they're really really confusing moments. Yeah. And I feel like as a jumping on point. Yeah. This this was really convoluted and, and strange. And there's another like there's another Clark Kent walking around. Oh yeah. Like what was up with that? Yeah. So like halfway through the new, the old. Pre-52 Superman comes to Metropolis to be like, Lex, you're a bad guy. I know you're a bad guy. Take that. Like, you need to you need to get out. Um, and then this other Clark Kent shows up, who everyone thought was dead. So, so who... It looks like Superman didn't really die. He just maybe... Is depowered? Yeah. Depowered? I don't even know. I don't know. I don't know, but that's silly. Just kill... Yeah. So, um, Gene Yang mm-hmm. is writing another... Superman comic, but it's mm-hmm. about a new Superman in China. Yeah. What is the name of that comic going to be? I think it's. Is, is I think it's action? called New Superman. Okay. Something like that. Okay, all new Superman, something like that. <laughs> yeah. um, that's the one I'm looking forward to. All new, all different Superman. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I think I, that's probably the the one that I'm most interested in. That and Super Sons, the one about this this Superman's son and Damian Wayne. I think oh, that's yeah. probably. That's the one I'm more excited about. But yeah, I mean, like when this returns, the story arc is called Annihilation. Like, ah. I don't, like why would you call the second issue of a new series, or sorry, the 958th issue of, of a new series, uh, Annihilation? I don't, yeah. I don't, like stop thinking about the end. Like do some beginning stuff. I don't know. Totally. And this, like, the, I mean, I like I like some of the sort of status quo stuff that they're setting up. Like I like the idea of Clark living in Kansas with his wife and son and sort of having that as a base again. I think mm-hmm. that's quite cool. Um, but yeah, there are some, there are some issues here. That yeah. I, I, I'll still read it. Yeah. I'll still read the next couple of issues and see if it. Well, I mean, yeah, I, 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 I think none of these were, were, were bad enough for me to go like, nope, 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 maybe Aquaman. But yeah. again, that's not really the real number one. Absolutely. Um, so look, of, of all the Rebo titles that I've read so far, um, the ones we've just read now and also last week's Batman, Green Arrow, Green Lantern and Superman mm-hmm. Rebirth issues. I think the series that I'm most excited for, uh, The Flash, definitely. Yeah. Um, I'm, again, still very curious about Batman, Tom King's Batman run mm-hmm. when it properly starts. And uh, even though this Rebirth issue wasn't very necessary, I think the Wonder Woman stuff is going to be pretty compelling. So Agreed. Yeah. And also Detective is probably going to be a really fun comic. Yeah, I think it's a fun concept. Yeah. Cool. Um, now, so Rebirth Issues weren't the only number ones that DC released this week. Oh, yeah. Uh, you may remember two weeks ago, we complained at length about mm-hmm. Scooby-Doo Apocalypse. Um, which which is, many of you enjoyed. Yeah. Which so, is great. Yeah, yeah. If you enjoy things that we hate, that's great. That's real cool. And also, if you hate things that we enjoyed, that's real cool, too. Just let us know. Explain why. We, we, we're more than happy to accept that we're wrong in your eyes. Uh, I don't understand who a concept like Wacky Raceland is for. Who is this comic book? Oh, yeah. So this is the third of the uh, newly relaunched Hanna-Barbera DC comic universe. So far, we've got the excellent Future Quest, uh, mm-hmm. which I can't wait for the second issue. Um, we've also had the uh, appalling Scooby Apocalypse, mm-hmm. in our opinions, appalling, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, not objectively appalling. Um, and uh, this week we have, I reckon, possibly objectively appalling, yeah. Wacky Raceland. <laughs> I agree. I uh, think this is probably for people who hated their childhood. Yeah, so Wacky Races was a Hanna-Barbera property in which a bunch of like uh, Hanna-Barbera Z-list characters and also ones created specifically for this show uh, every week would race, um, just do a big old race. And Mm. they had all wacky cars and and they were all like different funny, like there was like a kind of pastiche on like the Adams Family as one of the cars and then there were like, you know, there was an army sergeant guy and... Um, you also have Penelope Pitstop, who drove a pink little car, and she won most of the races. Um, 
and then of course the uh, the antagonists, I guess, of the, of the entire series were uh, Dick Dastardly and his laughing dog Muttley, mm, who bears a shocking resemblance to the new version of Scooby Doo. In this, book, I half yes. expected like yeah. little emojis to come off his head. Um, also, this is I, I, one of my least favorite tropes that comic book writers do is like, oh, we can't really swear. Like for some reason, we can't say asshole mm. in a comic, but I can say ass hat, which is a, <laughs> which is a like a um. An insult that I don't think anyone actually uses in day-to-day life. Um, I think Jim uses it. (laughs) All right, shout out to Jim. Jim reads too much comics. That's why he uses it. But they say asshat in this... Yeah. In this comic, I think four times. Yeah, there's a real attempt to like have this be really edgy and extreme in a like comic book where they're not allowed to swear or show nudity, and it feels very odd. Yeah. So in this, like the 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 original comic, sorry, cartoon was very goofy, slapstick, mm. colorful affair. They decided to throw all that away and reinvent Wacky Races as a post-apocalyptic tribute to Mad Max. Um, so they've kind of given all of these eclectic races. Um, deformed and like um, weird backstories, and the the motive for them to to race, and hilariously, you have all of the like status quo of, of their world, and the setup is explained through dialogue. But before you read all of that, you I, did, I pretty much just told it in a paragraph mm. in the on the on the on the fifth page or whatever, and so you end up like kind of going, oh, I just I just read that. Why are you telling me this again in the comic? I felt so, very like this. This was told like this was a very confusing issue for me in a number of ways. It it jumped back too. massively overwritten, jumped backwards and forwards from like you know an hour ago to now to thirty minutes ago, and it just like. In a really unnecessary way that I found really, really confusing. Could the cars talk in the original cartoon? I have I mean, to assume so. All Hanna Barbera things kind of talked, like trees talked and shit like that. Yeah, Hanna Barbera cartoons. But I don't remember that being. That's like you know, I've I've watched hundreds of episodes mm. of Lucky Races, and I don't remember the cars talking being a thing. In fact, I remember there was a Hanna Barbera series about a talking car, mm. but he wasn't a Lucky Racer. He, he made a cameo or two, but yeah, I yeah. was very, I was instantly confused when on the first page the cars appeared to be talking to each other i didn't understand that at all yeah some, uh, i mean there's a lot of the, yeah this comic is not for me i will not be reading the second issue I, the the attempt at like uh, like penelope pitstop is like the definition of like badly written in quotation marks strong female character oh, yeah, like, you know like she's so badass she'll punch of tank everyone girl move, the tank girl movie yeah. was like that's all i need i understand Done. women now and there's like, you know, like dude with three heads coming up and hitting on her in the bar and then she fights him. Like just, ugh, it's so boring, so boring. And she looks heaps like, what's that Grant Morrison character that was... Oh, yeah. Um, she was um, in the Marvel Boy run and mm-hmm. then she also was the one of the main antagonists of uh, that Jason Aaron event a few years ago. Yeah, I can't think of what her name is, but yes, I know yeah, who you mean. She looks like her. High ponytail and goggles. Yep, and, uh, and a jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also, um, yeah, we have Motley gone from his, like, laughing, you know, charming. He was like, you know, he, he used to wear, like, a scarf and just snicker at everything. And mm. now he is, like, a rabies-infested dog. Robo-dog. Yeah, with robot parts. It's just, it's so just crappily, crappy attempts at Edge. Yeah. Um, and then we get a really, really stupid um, backup, too, about um, about how some of the races are, are created. Um, and it's just it's just kind of gross. <laughs> yeah, it was just this is yeah yeah God, 
Like, it's not a good tribute to Mad Max, and it's not a good tribute to Hanna Barbera. I don't no. know. I don't know. Yeah, what this is. If, if if you liked it, please let us know what you liked about it. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. What but, you what you got from this? I mean, some of, some of the car designs were kind of cool, I guess. But, like, but it was uh, inked really. Exactly, like, I mean, the yeah. colors are really, really muted, and I found it quite difficult to actually read and to understand what was Definitely. going on. And I think it's because it was um, inked really heavily and because of the color palette. Um, yeah, I just found I found this very. Very confusing. Yeah, uh, written by Ken Pontak and art by Leonardo Manco, who's done some stuff that I've enjoyed in the past. Um, don't ask me what it is because <laughs> I won't be able to tell you. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, where after Scooby Apocalypse, I was like, I'm going to keep with this for another issue or two just to see how bad this truly is. Mm. This is like a different kind of bad. Yeah. This, this isn't even enjoyable and like, oh my God, I can't believe how bad this is. It's yeah. Just, it's just plain sucks. Yeah, just plain sucks and like borderline offensive in parts. And it's very frustrating for to see DC trying to do things like, like one of the characters they brought into this um, is trans and that's really awesome. But like do that in one of your mainstream titles. Don't do it in this pile of shit, you know? Yeah, true. Absolutely. All right. Bye-bye, DC. See Hello, you later. Marvel. All right. Um, Civil War tie-ins. Um, and you know what? That we got we got two tie-ins of Civil War 2 this week, and both of them were better than Civil War 2. Agreed. The first issue of. Um, we got Gods of War, which is uh, the story of uh, Hercules' part in, uh, in the Marvel Universe, trying to... Uh, let everybody in Marvel know that he's not a joke character anymore and mm. he's not a, just a drunk guy who ruins everything. Um, but it's impossible to do that when uh, there are bad guys that only he can see. Mm. And uh, yeah, and I, everyone thinks he's going crazy. And I, I like the idea. I think it's been... like it's, it's not an idea that no one's ever done before. I think I'm thinking of... Is it in... Um, it's that Neil Gaiman book. The concept of like new gods being created and coming for the old ones. Isn't that Eternals? something that happens in... American Gods, isn't that? Oh, okay, I haven't read. I don't know. I haven't read one. Well, yeah. anyway, um, I think that's. I could be totally wrong. I haven't read that in a long time. But it's sort of. So the concept in this is that you know there are all these new contemporary gods who are coming for Hercules and his friends, who are the sort of forgotten yeah. ancient gods. So I've, I've been reading. Have you, have you read any? This is written by Dan Abnett um, and art by Emilio Lazo. Um, mm-hmm. Have you read any of uh, Abnett's run on uh, Hercules in the yeah. last few months? I've probably it's a really I've missed fun series. Yeah, I've missed a couple of issues here and there, but I've picked it up reasonably consistently and enjoyed it every single time. I think it's a really fun take on the character. I like the idea. Um, I like I like a superhero who's a bit down and out, you know? Yep, like, I definitely. think that's always good fun. He's got, he's got everything to prove. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, good issue. Yeah, I think so too. And a good little start. I mean, this didn't get good reviews this week uh, oh, on really? different websites that I was at. I don't understand why people didn't like this. I thought it was really nice and grounded and you know, I, I like that we, we we saw his relationship with other characters in the mm-hmm. Marvel universe, and mm-hmm. um, but but it still felt like a really grounded story, just all about Herc. Yeah, totally. And it's always one of my favorite things that he is like he is one of the sillier Marvel characters, and he's a sort of you know always been a you know rousing drunkard who loves wenches and things like that. And so I like that he's one of the sillier sort of sexier male characters, and he's just kind of gratuitously with his shirt off all the time. Yeah, absolutely. So that's good fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so this this issue ends with him uh, putting the gods of war back together. Yeah, so I have no idea who's going to be in that, but I'm looking forward. But it's to it. so fun. I love I love all these sort of obscure old gods that they're bringing in. This is also the first comic I've read that had um, the totally awesome Hulk, whatever he is now. Yeah, Amadeus Cho. Amadeus Cho. Hulk. Have you read any of his? I haven't because I I was I liked the idea and I think I flipped through the first issue and just went, ah, oh, you know what? I don't think this is necessarily for me because I like Amadeus Cho as a character. Yeah, me too. And I like the basic Hulk concept but um yeah just didn't 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 blow me away yeah i, mean, I kind of love the, like the concept of, of someone who is hulk who fucking loves being hulk yeah totally so that, that kind of works especially like a kid 
than becoming Hulk. Like, yeah. that's that's a pretty fun wish fulfillment idea. Um, and then uh, the other Marvel uh, Civil War tie-in that started this this week was um, the Amazing Spider-Man number one, Civil War two. I don't know if this is a confusing title to say. Yeah, uh, written by Christos Gage and art by Travel Foreman. Mm-hmm. Um, this. Uh, I can't remember what this is about. Oh yeah, we get. Um, oh, you man, you, you you had a good week for for shirtless superheroes. Yeah, totally. I, I like. I just opened this up to the page where Peter's getting into bed and Johnny Storm has like crashed at his place and is sleeping naked because he's like, I'm really hot natured. <laughs> I get really hot in bed. It's uh, like, funny. Yeah, but so basically, this is about um, Spider Man kind of going out and uh, doing almost like a training session, keeping mm-hmm. an eye on the inhuman that can predict future events. I like that role for Spider Man. I think it's like done pretty consistently of like Spider Man taking people, Spider Man being the guy to take people on patrol and to like train up youngsters and stuff. Yeah. I think that's a fun it's great, great, development great for Pete. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's kind of all you need to know about this book. Um, you know, you, you kind of get some, you get you get a few things teased that we're going to see in this series. I don't mm-hmm. know how many issues this is going to be, but um, I mean, the fact that it's a it's a it's a tie into an event that I don't really care about, but I it ended and I was like, oh, I'm definitely going to get the next issue. Totally. Um, I think um, something. Yeah. I think the one good thing to come out of Civil War is I do actually quite like this Ulysses character. I hope he doesn't sort of just die, get killed off, yeah. which it, I mean, probably will happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think he works quite well in the in the Marvel Universe. And I love someone who's not a superhero as such being sort of thrown into the mix. Yeah, totally. Um, and yeah, it's, I mean, neither of us are reading um, either Bendis' Spider-Man or um, Slot Spider-Man at the moment. No, but I do I do read the last issue of Slot Spider-Man because um, who was telling me that it had gotten better again? Oh, it's, I mean, it's always kind of good. It, it's just yeah. better to wait for heaps of issues to build up. And yeah. I don't like reading it month to month. I like just reading like a, like, like 30 issues at once. Totally. I mean, Slot's got to go down as one of the greatest Spider-Man yeah. writers of all time. Um, More hits than misses, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, cool. So, yeah, um, Spider-Man 2... Spider-Man War, to, oh, what the fuck? Oh, whatever. Like? The and, Civil and War, Spider-Man tie-in. Um, yes, I, I think we're both 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 the starts of, of some potentially great little tie-ins. Yeah, so totally. And it was cool because they didn't wanna... they didn't actually tie into the actual core conflict of Civil War. They were kind of like fringe stories. I think that's why yeah, they were. They include all the characters fun. that are going to be a part of it, but it's yeah. Hopefully, they're going to be completely separate, and you know, but maybe they will contribute to the greater story in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I hate it when you read like an event story and like in the main event. It'll be like, oh, Thor, where have you been? Yeah. He's like, oh, well, I have been doing this. And they'll be like, asterisk, see Thor, the mm. terrible tie-in, issues one to six. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool, let's move away from the big two and move over to uh, Titan Comics. This might be the first Titan comic that we've read since we started the podcast. Could be. I don't read that many Titan comics. Um, and uh, everything about this is, was like a red flag. Like, should I be reading this? We read Because we, we put in a lot of effort to actually read all of the number ones at the very least that come out each week. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be quite testing uh, some weeks where yeah. you just like, you, this is, there's a pile of mostly licenses franchise, licensed yeah. franchises. You're just like, Ugh. there are, there are often times where I will just reject the idea of us reviewing something like Star Trek versus yeah, Ghostbusters sure. or whatever, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't think that's good or useful for anyone. So um, this is called Sherlock, a study in pink. And it is a, um, uh, it's a straight anime, a manga, sorry, yeah. a man- manga adaptation of the the first episode of Sherlock with Yeah, so this is adapting the um a study in pink episode mm-hmm. of Sherlock um which is the current series which um, I've never watched and I really really want to watch it because it looks great and I love Benedict Cumberbatch and I even more love Martin Freeman. Yeah. But um 
yeah, I, I, for whatever reason, I haven't gotten around to watching it yet. And um, I was like, oh, no, is this going to be like told after the series or mm. during? Are they going to spoil things? But no, it's a, it's a direct adaptation, yeah. manga adaptation, including the likenesses of, of Martin and Benedict. Um, uh, Benedict Martin was the name of the bad guy in uh, The Last Action Hero, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so th- this is like an unbelievable manga. Yeah, it was just I I I had so much fun reading this. If you have any, uh, if you just want to read like a whimsical Western style manga, absolutely. Or or you, you love Sherlock or you know any, anything. This was just and it was also great to read like a manga that was comic book sized. Yeah, it was really nice seeing the pages blown up to this size. I really enjoyed that a lot. Um, and printed on you know sort of shiny comic paper and all that kind of stuff. Um. I loved this, you know, really, really good fun. The um, the guy who has done the adaptation from his name is just Jay. Jay, um, and um, he's adapted directly from Stephen Moffat's script, um, I believe, and he does a really brilliant likeness of both um, Benedict Cumberbatch and what's his face? What's his name? M- Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman. Um, especially, I really love like he gets the the angles of Benedict Cumberbatch's face really really hilariously and kind of over-exaggerates the sort of impish Absolutely. Um, looks on his face. And, I, I yeah, it's so fun. And they definitely play up. I mean, um, everyone loves, you know, the sort of potential gay frisson between um, Sherlock and Watson. Or in, indeed between any male duo. Absolutely. From, from literature if or, you or can, movies. <laughs> if you can write fan fiction about it. Um, <laughs> but so they, they have a lot of fun with playing that up in this, I think. Um I just, and yeah, just, just really a, good fun. This is just a delight. Like, great I just, art. I think. I think the, the core is that the art's really so, great, so really great. full of motion, really full of um, constant action and fun, and yeah. Yeah, and I love just like you know all the kanji characters that that appear as as a movement happens. Totally, in the book and, and they do a yeah. nice little because a lot of the time in a manga, the um, they will explain the sort of um, like they will translate the. Uh, I guess, sound effects and stuff in the final pages, but they do a little translation underneath um, each panel, which I think is really good fun because there's Definitely. things like where it says suddenly and that's really fun to have that immediately translated yeah. for you. Deep breath. Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> so good. Yeah, I just, I mean, I, I, you, you've seen Sherlock. Yeah. So what was this like, you know, re- reading something that you've watched before? Because I know sometimes adaptations can be quite boring. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I live very much in the now which means I forget most things that I've um, read or watched so I really enjoyed reading this because I think I've already forgotten what happens in the end um, I think I, I think I maybe enjoyed reading this more than I enjoyed watching the series man if this is if the series is anywhere near as good as this like I, I need to watch it immediately yeah, the series is very good this is this was maybe my favorite comic of the week <laughs> I, I, no no it wasn't wasn't it because we had headlopper oh, oh yeah crap you're right yeah cool <laughs> Uh, it was one of my favorite, yeah. maybe my favorite number one of the, yeah, of the week. Yeah, probably my that. favorite number one. It was definitely at the top of the list, which I wasn't expecting mm, at absolutely. all. Absolutely, and uh, I just took a look at the back of this with the other other titles that Titan put out. This is actually the third Titan book that we reviewed on oh. Serious Issues. They also put out Tank Girl and Independence Day, <laughs> and uh, Sherlock <laughs> is, is a million times one. better than both of those. Yeah, definitely check it out. Definitely, um, yeah, highly highly recommended. Mm. Um, and pretty cheap for a very very bulky comic too. Yeah, very thick. Yeah, super cool. Um, all right, cool. Let's move over to Lumberjanes meets Gotham Academy. Um, a coming together of two teen-focused uh, books, neither of which I read. So uh, I was a little bit lost in this. And Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it is a book for the fans, you know, like it's a crossover for people who like 
both of those series. I read Gotham Academy and I read the first couple of issues of Lumberjanes and I think it's amazing. I think it's an amazing series. It's just not really for me. Um, but I understand the basic concepts of it. So I, I quite enjoyed this. I thought it was quite a good fun. I really liked the art. I think the art by um, the pencils by Rosemary Valero O'Connell was probably my favorite yeah, um, it was thing about really, it. Yeah, really, really sweet. But um, I don't think she draws age very well. Like, I know that some of the characters are meant to be older than other characters, but yeah. you can't really tell that from her faces. Yeah, you just kind of... It depends who's tallest. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, it, yeah, look, if you don't if you don't read either of the series, don't pick this up because it's fairly confusing. Yeah. Um, and they don't go... They don't bother explaining who the characters are or anything like that, so you're just kind of thrown into this story. If you like Gotham Academy, 100% check it out. I think it was really fun, and I like seeing, you know... I love Maps. I think she's a brilliant, brilliant character that they've um, developed in Gotham Academy as well as Olive. And it was really cool to see them sort of interacting with the Lumberjanes crew. So yeah, that was quite sure. fun. Uh, what I thought was strange, though, was that um, uh, the writer, uh, China Clugson Flores, and the, and the, um, the artist, uh, Rosemary Valero O'Connell, neither of them are, are you know, creators or regulars mm. on either Lumberjanes or Gotham Academy. I'm not, I'm not familiar with their names at all. So No, you sort of, I sort of wonder if they're like fans you know like yeah, if they did like yeah, wrote fanfic. wrote some fan fiction but i mean it's not it's not that unheard of these days for people to be discovered through yeah. deviant art or fan fiction Tumblr. or whatever you know so yeah. um and the, the, the color knows? on this is by um ming yu helen chen and, and really lovely man i want to see a whole book drawn like that please <laughs> yeah 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 the cover is amazing fantastic really cool. beautiful right, well look i'm i don't know if i'll stick with this but because i just because i didn't understand anything that was happening <laughs> <laughs> i'll okay. read it i'll yeah. read it it's it's pretty fun Silly supernatural stuff. Cool. Um, Image this week put out one new number one by Howard Chaikin. Everyone's uh, favorite old pervert, Howard Chaikin. Uh, <laughs> I like Howard Chaikin, uh, <laughs> but I do have trouble explaining or justifying why he writes and draws certain elements and also certain books in, in general. Why he draws faces like that. I mean, sometimes it works. I, I was a massive fan of the Matt Fraction written um, Satellite Sam series that um, Howard Chaikin did the art on and that was mm. all black and white. And I get like, it can get confusing reading one of his books because a lot of the characters do look almost identical. He just writes kind of like big bulky dudes with moustaches and that kind of thing. Yeah. Curly hair. I find, I find his, when his work is in black and white, I find it really difficult to read, I have to say. Right. Um, um I thought the art in this is actually like some of the best art that he's done in a while. Um, this is a story. This one's called um, Midnight of Soul, and it's written and drawn by Howard Chaikin. And um, it is about a, um, a an army vet who comes home after the uh, the Second World War and wants to make it as a writer, mm. um, but and spends five years trying to you know submit and get something picked up and without any luck. Um, and he's living um, off his. Uh, his wife's wages um, and not contributing to the house at all. And he's drunk and yeah, I mean, he's just a not classic, a good writer. Classic, <laughs> classic Howard Chaikin archetype character. Yeah. I think, I think the thing that I really struggled with was I was like, is he, is this guy supposed to be the hero? Like, are we supposed to be identifying with him? Because I found it like, I found the main character honestly, like quite repulsive, like the whole, like, yeah, he's just a cool guy and women just don't understand him. And his wife's a whore and all women are whores. And like, cool, yeah, well, I mean, it started out kind of strong and I was like, Oh, maybe Siobhan might like this, but, you know, cause the, <laughs> the idea of a vet trying to make it as a writer, 
yeah, in spite yeah. of, you know, all of his troubles that he had at war and, you know, he's a clearly damaged damaged person from the war. Like, it starts quite strongly and then he finds out that his wife has been whoring herself out. Yeah. Um, and decides to, to make kill ends her. meet. Yeah, and obviously that's her fault because he has been drunkenly sponging off her for the last yeah. five years. And but she is a dirty whore for turning to prostitution. <laughs> oh, there's so many. There are so many bits in this that I found really weird. There is a really, there is one line that I don't think we can even necessarily say here. Oh yeah, because yeah. It's so, rude, so rude. But also, I just don't. I, I don't understand what it means. Yeah. When he goes, if I could do to my whatever. What no, you do to my to, thing. No, he, he said, if I could do to my axe what you do to my dick, I'd be a F word for... Yeah. Like, what? I don't understand. Because his axe... Yeah. Is he, does he mean a literal axe? Or is that a euphemism for his penis? Or is it a euphemism for his gun? I don't know. And I don't then, know. Yeah, and then, like, I don't, uh, it's just another one of those gross books where, like, a... Um, you know, like where 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 a, a woman gets referred to as a fucking c word, and like, yeah, it's just like unnecessary, you know, grossness. Unless unless this turns around in the second issue and is from his like now dead wife's perspective. She's not dead. Oh, she's, she's not, not dead. dead. Oh, she, she gets the guy, the, the guy that she was blowing died. Oh, okay. Um, he, unless he's, it's from he's, her perspective, like that's actually that's a good point. Maybe 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 you could turn around, but I mean, the, the, the front cover is um, the male potential hero. On the front, cocking a gun and looking at the camera. And he's like, leather jacket. He's so like, yeah, such a cool guy in his leather jacket and motorcycle and hard drinking, hard living, whatever. Just some real awful old fashioned male fantasy bullshit that I was like, I'm just not into this at all. Yeah. To be honest. Sorry, Shakes. Sorry. Sorry, Howard. (laughs) Not for me. Um, Pink Panther number one. Uh, let's do let's do a famous uh, serious issues thirty second review. I did not enjoy this. I don't know who it was for. It was a bunch of you know. I mean, it, at least it wasn't trying to make Pink, Pan- Pink Panther edgy like uh, the <laughs> Hanna Barbera DC stuff. It was a bunch of like almost like comic strip comics, like short stories involving the Pink Panther that yeah. weren't very well drawn and weren't funny. And it's actually surprisingly little content in this yeah. for a three ninety nine comic. Yeah, yeah, very weird, very Print, weird. Printed on shit paper. The last almost half of the book is just like sketches and and reprints of old um, and, old comics. And there's like a like a five page preview of the next issue written in black and white. Like I just yeah I, yeah. This is a, a waste worry. of waste Don't of money. Up. Don't get this. Yeah. Shame on you, American Mythology Productions. <laughs> I thought more of you. I didn't. I've never heard of you. But anyway, you got the number one. Oh, but they're putting out the Three Stooges <coughs> comics as well. So obviously, God, is, uh, please tell me that's already like well on its way. We have to read number one of that. <laughs> um, cool. So uh, another book came out this week through Only Press. Was run by Robert Rohde, Jackie Lewis, and Marissa Louise. It's called Merry Men, and it is about. Um, I guess the story of Robin Hood and his merry man, merry man, but it also tells uh, a different tale of uh, queer, the queer history of England, basically. Yeah, so it's sort of in this merry is used as a euphemism for for queer, uh, yeah, for queer, for non-heteronormative. Um, and I, I, I just wish, I wish this was better because yeah. I really like that concept. I like that they actually, there's a little bit in it where they actually give you a little um, sort of. A queer history of England, like a nice little essay, which I really enjoyed. Um, the art's really nice. I think yeah. the art's really good. Although I just think they kind of bit... do look like less like Robin Hood and Merry Men and more like LARPing baristas. <laughs> <laughs> LARPing baristas is my new band name. Um, 
Yeah, that's true. That's true. Everyone's a bit sort of um, mustachioed and and like very beautifully sculpted facial hair, which yeah. I, mean, you know, I, I guess you know, written and drawn from a certain viewpoint, like that's appealing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just I, I thought the 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 tones of this book were very heavy handed. Yeah, and uh, not enough was established of any of the characters. You're introduced to so many of them and you mm. don't really like, oh, this is the hero. This is a strong point. This is a good one. Like, yeah. 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 There wasn't, there wasn't enough characterization and it's such a, it's such a cool, fun, strong idea. I wish that there'd just been a little bit more, um, subtlety or, uh, yeah. I'd, I'd, yeah. It's I, hard, it's hard, it's hard to put your finger on why it's not as strong as it could be. It's also very slow. Too. Yeah, and and you and for an you issue think, one. Yeah, you would think that a slow book would you know pump a lot, a lot more into giving giving you more of a story of of, of each character. But mm. I, I, yeah, I kind of yeah, I, I didn't really retain much after reading this. I think no, you know, yeah. there are, there are some very interesting themes at play in this. Yeah, but overall the story did not hook me. So. No, I will. I'll probably I'll check out the next issue just um just to see if the plot picks up and gets a bit stronger. But um yeah, bit of a disappointment. Definitely. Yeah. Um, Prometheus, number one, three, came out through Dark Horse. Another one written by... Well, Dan Abner wrote three number ones this week. Wow. Big week. Um, and also 4001 AD from Valiant. Um, 4001 AD Bloodshot. We got the first issue of that written by Jeff Lemire. Um, both of these books I read through, but I don't think I know enough of either the Valiant universe or the Prometheus franchise to uh, actually appreciate either book. Yeah, I, I've... Yeah. I mean, I didn't like Prometheus, the movie. I don't think that's a shocking opinion to have. I think that this is quite a sort of clumsy comic. The art's not brilliant. It's a little bit confusing. You don't really understand why the sort of... I don't even know what they're called. The the Prometheus guy <laughs> is, um like, is... He doesn't seem that intimidating or scary. It's it's quite an odd one. Um, yeah, not, not great. I quite enjoyed the bloodshot issue, mostly because I like the idea of him... Um, so this is a tie-in to the 4001 AD um, crossover event that yeah. Valiant are doing right now. So it's set in the future. So this is about sort of um, the the former uh, person who was Bloodshot. So Bloodshot is like made up of nanites and then can possess a body, sort of. Um, and so this is sort of him regenerating in this in 4001 AD and his body half... Um, it's like 3D printed, but it, the 3D printer breaks down halfway through. So he's kind of like got a head, but then he's also made up of like nanites, which yep. I think is quite cool. Yeah. Um, and I like the idea of his sort of final mission being laying his uh, previous body to rest. I thought that was quite cool. Um, so I enjoyed it. I'll probably read the next issue. I'm more and more into the Valiant universe these days. I'm, yeah, I'm really I, enjoying it. I want to be. Like, I, I read this and I was like, oh, man, I wish I knew more about this character. Yeah. I, mean, I know that Jeff Lemire's uh, Bloodshot run is one of the more celebrated yeah, runs absolutely. Valiant too. Yeah, it's really good. Jeff yeah. Lemire and Matt Kent are really doing some great work in developing the, the Valiant universe, I think. It's cool that they're both involved because I think they're both pals. Yeah, that's yeah. Sweet. That's nice. That's cute. Just a bunch um, of Canadians. <laughs> writing about the future. Yeah. Uh, cool. So that is all of our first things first, first issues of the week. So uh, many first issues. Gee whiz. Yeah, this is another week where I'm like, ooh, boy. Boy, by the time I get to the bottom of the stack, I yeah, think 32 right. comics this week. That's, it's too many. It's too many for any man. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm going to be a bit more vigilant in just kind of going like, you know what, I'm not going to continue on with this series because <laughs> there were a few number twos that I read this week and I was like, what? why? I, I didn't even like the first one that much. Yeah, there are quite a few here that I was like, you know what, I'm totally prepared to, to yep. give up. But 
You know what? Let's start with the cream of the crop. Absolutely. Uh, my favorite comic potato. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Essentially, of, of, of the last year, like biggest surprise, like someone that I'm not familiar with at all, um, written and drawn by Andrew McLean. This is Headlopper. A quarterly so adventure brilliant. comic. Oh my god! It's a Viking epic um, about a, a, a dude with a big old beard and an even bigger sword, and he specializes in cutting the heads, lopping the heads of nasty demons that threaten kingdoms all, all over the world. And if you like heads being lopped, this was probably had the most yeah. heads lopped. I, of I thought any it issue. would have been fun. I was actually going to give you an assignment to please read all of the head loppers and find out how many heads get chopped off. Um, <laughs> if anyone wants to do that for us, yeah, please. That would be great. If you have all the head lopper issues, I'm, I'm going to let's take an estimate. How many? I'm going to guess sixty. In this issue, not nah, more. I reckon like really? okay. 120. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, cool. So. Uh, I know this sounds gruesome, but it is drawn in a... I guess, you know, the closest thing would be like a more kind of sketchy, almost fantagraphic style Mike Allred. Yeah, like I think there's also elements of like um, the sort of adventure time school of cartooning that you get mm. through that, it's especially in a lot of the like... There's quite a bit of physical comedy and the facial expressions, especially because um, the whole way through the series, uh, our head lopper is joined by Ag- the head of Agatha the Witch, who mm. has sort of... Um, magic powers it is an annoying presence in his life but yeah, he but needs by his side um well he he, he needs to her by his side so no one else can harness yeah. the magic that is contained within her indestructible head yeah it's so, so, it's so funny man it's, it's so good yeah there's amazing humor it is told one of the most compelling stories mm. like from from issue one so this, this is this is the fourth of of four um, although we get the news at the back of this book that not only are we going to get a collected trade of all of what we've seen so Yay. far, but there will be more Headlopper comics coming out next year. And we get his new series, Apocalyptic Girl. Of course, that's well. right. Yeah, man. Oh, man, so much. I just, I think, this is my best discovery of the year, I think, yeah. Andrew McLean. Like, I Absolutely. Just, I, I love his art. I love the colours by Mike Spicer. Um, this is a really, like, um, I would, even if, you know, I'm super excited that they're coming back to do more, but just for, like, 
a perfect four-issue run. Mm-hmm. You can't go past this. This will uh, yeah. be a perfect present for Christmas for I think people. on par with, like, Paul Pope's Battling Boy. The first, yeah. the first book of that was just fantastic, perfect. you know, like, really great. Perfect comics. Yeah. Uh, this is just excellent. And the colours, like, yeah, they, they really, really jump, but they're so simple, and I think that's why they jump so much. And Absolutely. And it's such a fun read. It really is. Like, the story just, um, just flies by. Like, you're so... It's so... Com- constantly compelling and there's so much action and you just want to keep reading until yeah and, and until each issue I finish reading and then I'll just go back to the beginning and then just look at the art from yeah to totally like it's, it's awesome I would love a video game based on this comic yes um, I would just love more of it and, and look the tr- oh and I love the, it just it finished so well this book so perfect yeah it's yeah. you know it doesn't it's not necessarily a happy ending but it's a it's an ending it's an ending absolutely uh, uh, and it wasn't unnecessarily grim or, no. you know, y- 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 yeah. And you can tell that getting, like, because it was, um, you know, a quarterly comic, so we got four issues in the year. But I really liked that because every issue felt so perfectly finished. You know, chapter. it had been yeah, yeah. really well worked. Um, and it's cool to see, you know, when someone does have the time and the space to do that, what 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 is possible. And I think this is really brilliant. Yeah. So, um, Headlopper, um, the collected edition, comes out in October this year. We will absolutely uh, be talking to you about about that closer to the date. Mm. Um, because I think it's an essential purchase, especially with the no, the news that there's going to be new Headlopper in that trade as well. Some Ooh. extra stuff. So that's exciting. And I hope that they collect all of the like. Um, there are some really cool pinups that they've put in the back. Great of pinups, the and also fantastic variant covers this week. Yeah. I, this month I got the um, the Gabriel Bar lovely variant cover. There's Mike Allred himself actually did one a few months ago. Yeah, I mean um, you can tell that this is. A a real like comic like it's a it's a comic creator's comic as well absolutely it's a passion project mm. that, that and, and like nothing speaks to other creators more than that yeah, yeah absolutely this is like definitely worth your time money and uh and then more and more of your time to reread yeah. it yeah and it, it'll it's one of those ones that also like repeated readings will yeah. really and if the idea of like a, a, like a gruesome viking comic doesn't appeal to you if this will I know yeah it's, 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 it's yeah. not gruesome in like any kind of realistic way there's sort of heads popping off in various directions with like hilarious sort of speed lines and stuff so it's not like it's not really horrific violence no, or anything like that. No. it's cartoony violence yeah exactly yeah ex- excellent man so good yeah brilliant really brilliant um you know what else is really really good we've said it before many many times on this podcast uh tom king and gabrielle walters uh run on the vision so uh, good. Gosh, this was uh, issue number eight mm-hmm. of this. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, this is kind of telling the story of uh, Vision from the Avengers uh, starting his own family in a house in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um, or Washington, D.C. 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 Um, and uh, him trying to, like, you know, keep his family of robots as normal as possible, but their programming or just, you know, the, the, the nature of their existence causes them to maybe not be as... Uh, perfect or as good as uh, as vision mm. wants them to be. And so, in the last couple of issues we've seen how you know vision's programming has gone slightly wonky since um he got rid of his sort of emotions chip or whatever yeah. the hell it's called um and how that sort of he's he's shifting into evil robot territory again. Yeah. Um, um and this issue brings in um a character who I loved from Avengers Academy was that when he first showed Runaways. up I think. Oh, Runaways. Yeah, of course. Yep. Runaways. Um, Victor. Victor, um, who is the uh, son of Ultron. Yes. Much in the same way that Vision is. Um, and this kind of gives you like a, a nice little story all about him as he as he enters the thing. Victor Mancha is his name. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he is a robot. He was part of the Avengers AI um, team yep. as well. That was out a few years ago. I'd never read that. He's but. a much more humanoid looking 
robot. I don't yes. think he realized he was a robot for most of his life. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, he, he is here to um, seemingly st- on, on a study break to be closer to his campus and mm-hmm. um, and spend some time with Vision and his family. Um, and, and Vision's kids refer to him as their, their uncle. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that it turns out that's not actually the main reason that he has come to stay with the Vision. And, yeah. Uh, you, the, the, the end of this issue. Uh, kind of hints at when it's all about to get really, really bad. So you know that ne- next issue is going to be particularly heartbreaking. But there's some awesome, like, I mean, there's some really brilliant moments in this. Like, I think that um, the bit where Victor says, like, oh, well, let's all go out for dinner. And Vision sort of says, well, none of us eat. So that'll be really awkward. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then you get this awesome scene where they're sitting in a restaurant and none, none of them are eating anything and they're all just talking and it's awkward but, and hilarious. And- but they still order food and, and Vision asks the, the kitchen to cook it for him, mm. even though he will not eat it, but he will pay for it. Yeah. And, like and, a- and the kitchen staff are just baffled as to why he, he wants this done. And yeah, man, it was just like an incredible issue. And I, I know I complained about the um, the overarching like narrative um, it gets used a lot, especially in DC number ones. Mm-hmm. But I think this is the best use of a narrative in a comic that I've ever read. Like yeah, that, like that, a, that, 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 a narrator. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, first yeah. person narration. Um, yeah, it's so good. Really, like, and such a you know, it's it, it's it's Agatha, Agatha such Harkness a touching, is like, such a touching right. issue. <laughs> like, it really is. No. There are some real moments of real sort of quiet beauty. Like I love the bit where Victor sits down and starts to play the piano with. Um, uh, Vision's, Vision's wife. Vision's wife, whose name I've forgotten. You know, like it's um really funny and really sweet and exploring all these ideas about what's possible with artificial intelligence and what is art and what's a soul and all those things that you wouldn't expect to discuss in a superhero comic. But yeah. Tom King is doing so so skillfully and so Absolutely. brilliantly. It's riveting. It's heartbreaking. It's everything you want. In uh, a, in it a, really in a, in a, is in a modern comic. It's just yeah. Plus a little Vision Scotty dog. Yeah. With the brain of a dead guy in it. It's the best. <laughs> um, it's going to be really, really crushing to see where this series ends up, but nowhere oh, near as crushing as it's going to be when we find out where there's going to be no more issues yeah. of this or anything by Tom King over at Marvel yeah. because he's going to be exclusive to DC. But maybe he can do a Red Tornado series. That would be great. I love Red Tornado. <laughs> I love Red Tornado. I've always said that the Vision is a poor man's Red Tornado. <laughs> really? <laughs> I like to get into arguments with people about it because no one agrees with me. <laughs> yeah. As you said that, I was like, I don't agree with you that much. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. So we're still we're still in the midst of great comics. Yeah. Um, we got number three of uh, one of our favorite series of the year so far. This was going to be three of four, but it has now been announced that it's an ongoing. So we just get a lovely three. On the front cover, Yay. not yeah. three or four. Uh, oh, this man. is Goldie Vance, written by Hope Larson with art by Brittany Williams. Brittany Williams is so brilliant. Oh, my God. This is one of the family-friendly comics put out by Boom under their Boombox imprint. Mm-hmm. Um, and Goldie Vance is a young wannabe detective uh, working at a hotel with her father in Florida. And this is set, um, I guess, in like the 60s-ish? Yeah, no, no. It's sort of one of those um, series that feels really not tied to a specific period. That's I think true. that there's a definite, like, you know, no one, she's not using a mobile phone or anything like that. Like, there's no sort of, um, she's not relying on technology and things like that. But it could happen. I feel like the, the first issue, though, was like Florida, 1963. Oh, I could be totally yeah. wrong because I tend not to read um, <laughs> Bubbles. And then I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> um, this just continued the story on in a great way, but also introduced a whole bunch more complications. Um, Goldie's dad gets fired from the hotel, which, you know, which Goldie's, it's all, pretty much all Goldie's fault. I know, I love that. I love, I think Hope Larson is just really, every every time I read something by Hope Larson, I just feel like she is 
growing leaps and bounds as a writer. You know, yeah. she was already brilliant when she did things like Chiggers and her sort of um, self-contained graphic novels. But I'm, I, I'm, I find Goldie Mance really thrilling to read. I think it's um, what she's what she's building here in the universe that they're developing together, and mm. all the characters, the cast of characters is so great. I think it's um, yeah, absolutely. I love Goldie. I love Goldie she's herself. The best. Yeah, and the the dialogue is excellent. Yeah. It's 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 the opposite of how I feel when I read Lumberjanes Gotham Academy. Yeah, which isn't even particularly bad dialogue. I just don't follow it very well. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> um, whereas this is just excellent, believable dialogue, and it's just fun. The, the pacing of this book is just so great. Colors, mm-hmm. the art, just it's just yeah, full package. Like this is a uh, this is the book that you buy for your for your nephew or niece at the end of the year i think yeah for sure for sure or for your friends or for yourself yeah for yourself it's the best yeah i mean and uh, yeah there's so many things that i love about this like goldie's developing crush on the slightly older looking girl who works at the record store is just really sweet and really Mm. lovely and and you could you can view it from like a romantic point of view or you could just view it from a like she really wants she's really cool and impressed by her you know like there's yeah very natural very beautiful really great series great series um, what, <sighs> what do you want to talk? Which disappointing? Should we go into disappointing territory? Or should we just go do some good for a bit? What else? It was well, <laughs> let's have a little bit of disappointing. Just yeah. one minute, and then we'll go into the good again. All right. uh, the fix number three, Nick Spencer's uh, kind of comedy crime book with Steve Lieber on art. Uh, we loved the first issue. Mm-hmm. Um, the second issue, I thought, was fun, if not a little bit unnecessarily kind of dark. To, you know, pushing that real black humor. Mm. Um, this just gets darker. Yeah, and a bit trying by the end. Like yeah. I just. Uh, it kind of tells the story of of the main character who um kind of stopping doing stopping and doing his regular day to day police work to almost be like the bodyguard of a um you know Miley Cyrus esque yeah. teen star and um it's just you know it's it's just it's it's a real bitchy comic it's a really bitchy comic and it's really like they bring in this character who is just straight up a cliche like she's not like they don't try and develop this character in any kind of interesting way they just use a bunch of cliches mm, from- i mean they they they, they add one interesting element in that like when she's being crazy she is acting yeah except that then they kill her at the end so exactly. it's all fucking a lot nothing. of women died in comics this week yeah not a great, not a great week a great to be a lady in comics um yeah i'm just i'm a bit I don't know if I'm going to read this anymore. I'm a bit over it. You know, like, I don't find the, you know, there's this, there's a scene where this guy's having a conversation at a restaurant with his friend who's, like, totally crazy. And then it turns out the guy was having a blowjob the whole time during the conversation. Yeah. And I just don't, I don't find that that edgy or, no, and you know, like. Sex criminals will do things, obviously not like that immediately, but, like, you know, we'll have, like. You know, humorous, yeah. out of out of out of place. You know, like inappropriate sex content within their book, but yeah. but they do it in a really nice way. Whereas yeah. this book is just nasty. It is nasty, and it, and it gets a bit much by the end of an issue where you're just kind of like, you know, the shittest character gets gets away with everything. When you know that that's you know that's fine, you can accept that. But then all the other characters just kind of just fucked things happen to them. And yeah, you're like, yeah, I don't know. It's it is. It, I don't know what it's like. It's just kind of like you know, watching a just that, that opening montage of a, of a Final Destination movie where all those shit characters get killed really violently. Yeah. But just again and again and again. Actually, that sounds really great. Yeah, but, um, really <laughs> I just Yeah, I find... I just... I, I, I felt like in the first issue, Nick Spencer was trying to say something and it was a fun story and it, you know, could have gone somewhere and it's just and gone it, not yeah, where I thought it would. Absolutely. And not in, a, not in a way that was surprising or, you know crazy good fun it was totally. just a bit disappointing like i loved his superior foes of spider-man run and i mm. think i love that because you know he got to do this nasty 
all this nastiness to characters and like you know have these kind of like these these villains you know with no no redeeming features mm. but he did like the pg-13 version of that so it never got too gross or grim yeah and then this is just kind of like i know i know i, I feel like every week i complain about something being like unnecessarily grim or murder or, or yeah like, and know, it's not as if there isn't that kind of thing but like, room yeah. for that but this is just i think this is just an Excessive. example of it not done especially well yeah. and it feels like shock for shock's sake which is something that i always find really irritating and it, this issue really reminded me of something like the boys which i didn't like yeah, at all you know like it just it's trying to be edgy for reasons that I can't yeah, figure you, out. If you think reading one issue of The Boys is a bummer, I read like 78. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Yeah, I read the I, first two trades and I was like, you know what? Not for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, so The Fix. I'm going to read one more issue just to see if it, if it picks, picks up its way after this. Um, I think I'm probably. I think I, think I might be done. That's fair enough. Um, I'll talk about a comic that I liked um, quite a lot because it was the final of this arc. We're going to take a long break from it um, until the end of the year. So the uh, final page of this book tells us um, it's Injection by Warren Ellis and Declan Shalvey and colours by Geordie Belair. Um, Shalvey and Belair are the, are the sto- stars of this book. I love I love all of Declan Shalvey's work, but yeah, paired up so with Geordie Belair and colours is just like, this is just a delight. Um, and the story of this, like, it's impossible to kind of explain the story of injection basically mm. there is like an injection which is like a, a kind of growing living virus that lives within computers that's just one tiny part of the story it, it, it is less technological than it is like haunted oh okay cool so it's like a ghost that lives in computers and fucks things up for everybody and can kind of affect humans and that kind of thing and you have this like secret society of people trying to stop it but there are two very separate stories going on in this book and um one of them it's like the, the closest thing this book has got come to kind of like finishing an arc um, instead of just continually introducing more and more weird concepts and not really kind of finalizing things, which is fine. Warren Ellis likes to do that, especially mm. with like his other book that comes out sporadically, Trees. But we've got a really, really nice kind of conclusion to this, that this main, this secondary arc <coughs> in this issue. And um, yeah, I would really recommend this book to uh, anyone who's liked Warren Ellis's writing before, especially in that, that style he does where everyone is just like, just, just their dialogue is just cool. Yeah. yeah. You know, everyone's just the coolest version of themselves. Isn't that funny that like some, like Warren Ellis is a, Warren Ellis is an old man now. He is, yeah. you know, an old gray haired man with a big gold beard, but he still somehow manages to really understand contemporary oh, dialogue so and much so. slang. Absolutely. Maybe it's because he's so much on Twitter. And he's also very fucking British. He is also very fucking and, British. Which I think that like, you know, you get a better grasp of, uh, of, uh, of, of dialogue just from mm. being very fucking British. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. yeah. Oh, look, I really, I really, really enjoy this series. Um, even though the first few issues were quite confusing to follow, mm. um, you know, it's the, it's the ultimate book where you read one issue with the last issue on the other hand, just to go, who was that mm. again? What did they yeah. do this for? Um, but yeah, this, uh, the, the, the main character um, who from, from this arc, um, what was his name here? God, he's the best. Um, Headland, I think his name, Headland. Um, yeah, really, really fucking great. And, uh, <clears throat> he's just like a, probably one of the best Warren Ellis characters that, that, that he's created in quite some time. Mm. It's hard to go wrong with Warren Ellis, really. Uh, I mean, he definitely had a few, a few years of, of missteps, I think. Um, I really don't like his Hellblazer stuff. Oh, right. Okay, Again, yeah, for, yeah. for being like quite shocking. And mm. this is like, this is just, I don't know, this, this feels in tone with Hellblazer and like classic Vertigo stuff, this comic. So if, if, oh, okay. if that's missing from your life, get Injection. Mm. 
Cool. Um, Image also put out... This is a good week for Image Comics, actually. Because mm. although we, we're still getting... I feel like we're getting a lot less Image Comics than we usually do. Yeah, isn't that funny? Week. Um but I feel like there's a whole bunch of image comics that like are up to issue five, and I'm like, I didn't, I didn't, I've never even heard of you. <laughs> <How do laughs> that's you... because we weren't reading every single comic. Um, yeah, yeah, months ago. That's true. When they started, um, Renato Jones, the One Percent, um, written by Car Kyle Andrews. Um, we raved about the first issue, mm. and the second issue is more of the same. Yeah, um, a vigilante who targets the one percent. Yep. Um, he basically infiltrates their world by masking, masquerading as one of them, as he is a rich man that is a fallen into a huge amount of money sort of like a batman revenge fantasy against yeah against the wealthy and And there's some very unsubtle um jabs at trump and things like that in this which were quite good fun absolutely um and you know like basically i mean i I kind of hope they go beyond this format of like he infiltrates like a big party full of disgusting despicable rich people yeah you find out how depraved they really are and then he kills them all yeah i feel i I hope i'm a hope that like you know because this is very similar to um, how the first one went, even with the flashbacks to him as a kid. Yeah. It's still really enjoyable, but I hope he changes it up in the next issue or two. Yeah, it is kind of at the moment sort of um, just straight up revenge fantasy, but it'd be cool to see a, a, a tighter plot, maybe. Agreed. Cool. That's but still, great art. Yeah, I mean, and a fun book overall. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's still the best thing that he's ever done. Agreed. Um, Howard the Duck, number eight. When we started this podcast, neither of us are reading Howard the Duck, written by Chip Zdarsky and art by uh, Joe Quinones. Joe Quinones. Um, I love this series so much, and this issue was uh, a, a really, really... It showed that Chip Zdarsky is so much more than just, you know, like fun, wacky dialogue and in jokes. It, it had him telling a really, really sweet and um, a little bit heartbreaking story mm-hmm. of uh, of um, Howard the Duck and Bev, um, Beverly, who was uh, kind of... Howard Duck's uh, right-hand gal. Um, mm-hmm. She was played by Leah Thompson in the uh, terrible Howard the Duck movie. Um, and then the, the, the final page of this teases that next week is going to be about the actor of yeah, Leah, yeah. Leah, this has Leah been, Thompson. This has been a huge story for some reason is that she is in the comic, which is quite funny. Yeah, um, definitely. As someone who who is, I've never seen the Howard the Duck movie. I have not been reading this series at all. This was the first issue I think I've read of the series. Right. Um, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was really good. I mean... How um, Chip is really good at that sort of finding moments of pathos amongst sort of madcap classic yeah, slapstick. And I definitely humor. think he is in this issue, but I don't think I've seen him do it this effectively in in this. No, agreed. In fact, I stopped reading um, Captara, his yeah. space adventure comic, because there which I, I was missing. Gags. I was missing the pathos. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Whereas this is just a beautiful story. I feel like if you haven't read any How the Duck. And you're you're interested in it and seeing, you know, what Zadarsi does outside of sex criminals or, or Jughead. Mm-hmm. This is definitely a great one just to pick up. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. And it, man, Joe Quinones is um another guy who I think is really brilliant in um humor comics because he is uh, so good at getting really um like facial expressions absolutely. really perfectly and um, extremely gifted cartoonist. Uh, really physical comedy and yeah, brilliant. But he also draws... So it's okay, I'm going to counter this by talking about how attractive I found a man drawn in the next comic we talk about. But I think his depiction of Bev is maybe the most beautiful girl I've seen in a comic book in yeah, my so entire pretty. life. So pretty. So, so pretty. Like, you know, this big flowing summery dress and bright red hair and freckles. Um, yeah, really I, I, cute. Like, you know, if you've seen my wife, I, that's not my thing. Looks nothing like me. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I just thought that was a yeah incredible... Um, Incredible depiction, and uh, also we find out that uh, Beverly may not be the average 
human mm. that, that, that Howard thinks he or she is. Yeah, so. that was a fun tease, and that's something that's definitely going to bring me back um, to reading the next couple of issues. One thing that I was confused about, is Aunt May his, like, secretary? Yes. Or does he just call her Aunt May? No, no, Aunt That's May actually is, Aunt May? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Yeah. What? <laughs> Explain that. What do you mean? Um, this happened before Secret Wars, so I wasn't reading it. Okay. But, yeah, Aunt May uh, becomes Howard's secretary. That's really weird. I think she kind of works when she can. But, uh, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's really, really great, right? Yeah, it's a really fun. That's a fun, weird thing. But I'm into it. Yep. Um, I, I really think this is a great series. Zdarsky is has uh, actually proven to himself. I, sh- I, I might, when it starts coming out again, I might catch up with um, Kaptara and give it more of a chance because I, I think Zdarsky is as good a writer as he is a, an artist. Yeah, which is, yeah, I'd love, I'd love to see him do something solo. You know, I think that there's a lot Agreed. of creators out there um, who... You know, I love I love to see a writer artist yeah. work and on he, something. He did lots of I don't know if they're web comics, but like yeah, like strip comics. Oh, okay. And that's the kind of how everyone knew him before. And I think they've collected like, like they're like sports based strip comics, something like that. No that's clue. maybe a collection I should try and track down. Mm. Things I do by himself. Um, so I mentioned a very beautiful male, and uh, he appears on the front cover of Empress Number Three. Yeah, the book by Mark Millar and Stuart Immonen. Um, Stuart Ehrman knows how to draw a sexy man. So he is like the he's like the bodyguard of the main character of this book. He kind of almost is the main character though. Mm. Um, he, he's the one protecting the family on the run from the evil king, mm-hmm. and uh, through space and time, or just space. Mm. Uh, and uh, he is like a a bearded silver fox with mm. this, you know just beautifully rendered chin. Yeah. He's a he's hot dude. He's very, he's very handsome. Yeah, he's very good. Uh, probably the best thing about this book. I just want been... I just want a book of pinups. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, this this book is is just confusing. It, it it's, yeah. it's it's really underwritten. Absolutely, I feel like there's been zero. Like I don't know who the characters are at all. No, you know, and you don't and you don't care about any of them. Like a baby almost dies in this, and I was like, oh, you don't know who that is. Yeah, see you later, baby. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Um, I cared more that they killed like a, you know, endangered massive animal to save the stupid baby. Kill the baby. Who cares? <laughs> um, this this features a lot of, um, you know, transporting from world to world, but they do it so quickly. Like at one point, you're going panel to panel to panel as a different world. Yeah, and then they get stuck on like a barren planet at the end. And I, I, did, I like, I don't know. I feel like in some like if if you're not reading this comic, I just summed up the entire issue in yeah yeah like scenes. nothing really happened they just jumped they, they're trying to escape and so they're jumping from planet to planet using a teleporter and then mm. they get and stuck w- and that's it and we don't see enough like I feel like other writers would kind of tell half an issue from another character's point of view mm. and we just kind of like you know we are watching this like a you know that, that really manic uh, you know we saw it in, in, in The Force Awakens where shit just keeps happening and happening and happening I mm. kind of guess that maybe that's what Millar's kind of ch- uh, channeling here or like the uh the Spielberg and Peter Jackson mm. Tintin movie, mm-hmm. which is like just things happen and, then, yeah. and, no, and there's never a moment to kind of breathe. You just, you know, and that's fun to watch, but I don't know. It has something to read. It's just a... Uh... I just, yeah, I think that there hasn't been enough character development for any of this. I don't, I don't care about or like any of the characters. I'm not finding the story especially riveting. Um, riveting. I think it's a real waste. Like, I mean, you had Stuart Eminem, you know, and he's doing great he's work. He's doing here. great work. Yeah. Um, developing like a really interesting sort of uh, visual um, world. You yeah, know, and like this is off the back of Miller doing his like career best work, like mm. with all all these image trades at the moment. All these and image just, series. You know, like, what? I yeah. think it's because Miller can't write women. I still think that I'm yet to be proven wrong. Um, he's got they they just announced the new series that he's doing with Greg Capullo, and when I read the um the 
blurb about it. I thought it sounded actually really cool because it was about like this old woman who goes um, to sort of when she passes away, she goes to hell and she tries to track down her, um, you know, recently departed husband. Except that then they, she, when she goes to hell, she is um, re-aged as a sexy 25-year-old. Like, I just, I don't care. Like, why do they always have to be sexy? Like, I would, an old woman. I would read, I would yeah. read a comic about an old woman trying to find her husband. That is a million times more compelling to me than another sexy whatever i'm not into it yeah. i think i'm dropping that i think Whoa. the fix i think the fix in empress are two that i am jettisoning i think week. this is like it's not bad it's just boring but it's very it's, boring it's beautiful coming to look at so i'll keep reading it until the end and see if the, if a story yeah let me know if anything happens point. it's only a seven issue series so we're almost halfway through and not I really like not much has happened yeah nothing's happened but that's okay. it heaps of shit it has has happened they've, they've, they've been to like 10 different planets yeah so yeah anyway mm. uh so siobhan's already grumpy let's keep her grumpy i'll talk about <laughs> grizzly shark versus sea bear Boo. um this is the it. third issue of Grizzly Shark, which is a, crea- a creation of Ryan Otley, who is the um, the artist on uh, Robert Kirkman's Invincible. Um, this book is uh, written, drawn, and 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 lettered by um, Ryan Otley. Um, you can all see all these like fun kind of scrawling, hand drawn letters through this. It's a ridiculous kind of like comedy horror book. It just takes the piss out of horror tropes. It's about a shark who lives in the woods, a group of shark who live in the woods and can't swim. Mm-hmm. But what they can do is just like graphically and bloodily chomp through uh, everyone who who steps in the woods. Uh, in this, we see uh, the grizzly shark's greatest nemesis, which is the sea bear, who is a bear that lives in the sea. Mm-hmm. And they have a big fight. And it's really, really goofy and funny. The cartooning is hilarious. It's just like a really, really dumb... It reminds me of like... There was an excellent um, show on Adult Swim called Super Jail where it was just like, just like you know, just senseless, goofy oh, violence yeah, from yeah. start to finish. And this just reminds me of that. Mm. Um, it's definitely not everybody's cup of tea. But, not mine. Uh, you know, as a... After re- trying to read, you know, the super duper serious... DC mm. Rebirth stuff. This was so fucking refreshing because yeah. it was just like this comic knows what it wants to be and it just does it for thirty pages and then you just and you know you have a few giggles and it ends and you know uh, yeah yeah this totally. Is a, this is a great great little antidote to yeah. uh, to boring serious comics. I sort of felt like it was um, written. For and by teenage boys, yeah. of whom I <laughs> have not much time for, but I respect its um its, <laughs> its but existence. Like, even you can see the merit of this as yeah. opposed to um something like Smosh or that whatever that piece no, of shit. No, absolutely, we weeks absolutely, ago. Like, and I would much rather this exist than that. Yeah. But um, just yeah, not for me. So yeah, this is the end of the story now, so we won't be talking about it again. But if you like big goofy fun, or if you too run a podcast in which you have to read every single new comic, <laughs> this will be a breath of fresh air for you. <laughs> um, another comic that I read that Siobhan didn't, but Siobhan would actually like this one is uh, Tom King and Mitch Gerard's The Sheriff of Babylon. Um, you know what? I complain a lot about things being grisly and and dark and 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 you know hopeless mm. in comics, and this comic is definitely all of those things in fact it's pro- given it's more grounded than all the other comics it's it's particularly even more so on the on the on the on the grim and gritty side of things this comic is is a masterpiece mm. uh, it's out through vertigo um it tells the story of a, a cia agent um recruiting police in um in uh, baghdad and uh different other other people that he encounters there this is a really just like fun free Mm. issue of comic it's it's very very like personal like it's just a punch to the gut and i don't want to spoil any of the story just that i love it Mm. so much i love mitch art is as much 
important to the, to the to the emotion and the vibe as the story. Mm. Uh, you can tell it's a very personal story for Tom King yeah, as well. This is like I I'm I think you know given the subject you would never say like I like this more than his Vision comic because mm. at least the Vision is even though it's a bit grim it's quite fun. Mm. Uh, this is this is just like this is unbelievable. Like I said, it's a masterpiece, and you yeah. don't really throw that around much, or you sound like a dickhead. But <clears throat> I, I think this is a really, really special comic, and definitely proof that Vertigo is still relevant in 2016. Yeah, that's really exciting. I think the sort of resurgence of Vertigo that we've seen this year has been really cool, yeah, and I'm very Shelley excited. Shelley Long got fired, so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Not Shelley Long. Shelley Long is the uh, Mrs. Brady from the Brady Bunch. What's her name? Shelley. Bond. Yeah, Bond. there we go. go um, yeah, I'll definitely be reading that when it comes out in trade. Uh, cool. Um, so that was something that I loved. What did you read? Anything that I didn't? Yeah, I picked up a couple of things that you didn't. I read the um, the final issue of Black Canary, which is Brendan the series that Brendan Fletcher's been doing. Um, we saw Annie Wu come back for this issue. I think Veronica Fish has done the last couple. I think this was one of like my favorite comics this week. Um, it's been a really cool series focusing more as um, on Dinah as the lead singer of a band called Black Canary. So that's been quite fun and cool. And this is sort of um, quite quite an odd issue. It's got lots of stuff about um, it. it uh, skips through time quite a lot, and it's looking at all the different versions of Black Canary and different ways that her powers can be used, and how she fits into the DC universe, and what she is and what she means. But you get to see. Um, the direction that her life could have gone in. So you see this um, version of her as a as a pop star and um, how her career goes and how her life plays out like that um, and what the impact is on the DC universe because she chooses to be a performer over being a superhero. And I loved this. It was so cool, yeah. so good fun. Like, I mean, Black Canary is... Um, I think she's such a um, wish fulfillment character for so many female comic book fans because she's just cool. She wears, she rides a motorbike. She can do kung fu. She's got cool big boots and fishnets, and, and her, I her, love her. Her costume is like one of the least gross female superhero costumes. It's a, it's such a classic. I don't yep. think it's, it's one of those ones that you really can't improve on, um, no matter how many people try. Um, yeah, I loved this. I'm, I'm very excited to see what happens with Black Canary in Rebirth, and I think that this was a really um, beautiful issue to finish out Brendan Fletcher's run on. Oh, this is the end, right? Yeah, I cool. think I'm, I'm, right. I, I'm assuming that this was the last issue because it felt very final, okay. although I have been wrong before. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so back from uh, DC, back to Marvel. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put out Poe Dameron, um, issue three by uh, Phil Noto on art and Charles Sewell on writing duties. I have spoken about um, I don't really care that... Um, that like you know a Star Wars, even though this is considered canon, I don't mm. really care that it's comic booky at times. Mm. But this felt very, very not Star Warsy at all. Yeah, very weird. It's fucking... got, it got it turned sort of kaiju esque yeah. at the end, which yeah. I liked. Yeah, I know, but like, I just like not in this book. Yeah, it was um, it was slightly odd. I think I think the main thing that I've taken from this book is that I um, the the intense crush I have on Oscar Isaac just. Um, transcends mediums and Phil Noto does such a beautiful art, just, yeah. such a beautiful Oscar Isaac that that's it's worth reading for that the art's amazing but I mean like so the, the crux of this are big egg hatches and then a giant flying creature flight like not 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 like you know like a, a winged beast or something like that that might fit in in the Star Wars universe this is like a like it's a, like a straight up kaiju. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, you would see this guy going toe to toe with Godzilla, and they can they can grow to a, an enormous size and mm. tower above everybody else. Just this has no place in the Star Wars universe. No, it's very odd, and it's just it's baffling to me that you would create something like this because there is 
there are so many characters, mm. even just in the movies alone, that 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 you could expand upon and and, and do stuff with. But yeah, totally. why they chose to to do this is is, is just baffling. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think this is the weakest of all the Star Wars books I've read so far. I agree. Yeah. Cool. That's that. Um, Marvel also put out the new Avengers number twelve. This is another Civil War two tie in, uh, written by Al Ewing and um, art by uh, Paco Medina. Um, I'm reading this because along with The Ultimates, which is also written by Al Ewing, these are the two books that are most in tone with uh, Jonathan Hickman's Secret Wars mm-hmm. and, and Avengers stuff before that. Um, and I'm I'm really enjoying Ultimates. I'm not really enjoying New Avengers as much. It's a bit I, of a I chore really, to get through each week. But. Yeah, I really was enjoying it. I like the idea of the sort of aim being taken over by heroes and being used for good and yeah. um, them sort of fighting shield and that kind of stuff and i think i think there's there's good stuff in there but this wasn't a this wasn't no, a great issue and, and his attempts at comedy are really trying for me mm. um, al ewing is not a funny guy no um but i'm gonna keep reading because i feel like fantastic four are gonna come back at some point reed richards and sue richards and and and, and valerie and and uh, what's his name Franklin. Franklin. I'm gonna say Franklin. i mean there were there were some fun like i think uh, some of the fun things in this were you know the evil the evil Reed Richards from um, the alternate universe, from the Ultimates universe. Was it like the Maker or something like that? Yeah, the Maker. Yeah, yeah. Um, and him putting together a, a, the new Revengers, which is a team of the most obscure villains. So weird. Um, which, that was that was quite fun. But yeah, I, totally. But yeah, but the, it, and then you've also got like a, someone's taken over Dum Dum Dugan. Um, who is a, yeah. I like Dum Dum Dugan, but no, he's, yeah, but he's I know, an LMD but now. Yeah. So, yeah anyway, a, it's, it's a, like a confusing comic really, but uh I'm going to keep reading it in case. Um, if, if Reed and <laughs> Sue case. are going to show up in any comic, it'll either be this one or Ultimate. Yeah, right? absolutely. True. And I do not want to miss that. Mm, good I point. I love those guys so much. I miss them. Please yeah, come back. Yeah, I know. They haven't even explained where they are. Yeah. Although they do at the end of Secret Wars. They're kind of rebuilding the multiverse. Oh, okay. But that's an, that's an amazing concept for a comic. Yeah, but who like could write al- that except almost the conflict-free thing of just them creating worlds and, mm. and making sure they're balanced. Like, that's so appealing to me. Mm. Yeah. Um, I also uh, read the most recent Wicked and Divine by um, Gil- uh, Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey. Um, and I think this book has is, it has become a followable book month no to way. month. Yeah. No way. Officially. There's a little recap page now. Oh, and nice. a guide to each character oh, with a picture next to all of their good. little bios. It's all it needed. And like, I can now read this month to month and be like, oh, that's what happened last month. Oh, that's right. Because this is a really fun and good to follow book now. And uh, I'm really, really happy that I stuck through it. So if you ha- if you dropped it because you were finding it really confusing, like me, like pl- I feel like catch up and 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 start reading it again. Has it gotten it, less like? It's dude, it's really good. Dude. I just don't. I'm just off Kieran Gillen. I find him. I find him too much like an old man trying to be young, which no, this, makes me cringe. He channels the voice of youth in this book really in this issue mm. really really well because mm. he, he writes laura really really well the main i guess the, the main character who's now known as persephone um and uh she, this, this is all about her kind of filling in gaps as to where she's been over the last few issues and man i'm all about it i'm back on board this book in a big way and uh it was really really fun to read this and of course jamie is brilliant is the best he's the best he's i the wish best. Yeah, I wish I enjoyed this book more because it really does look like he's doing some of the best work of his career. Which I say, I feel like I say every single time a new Jamie McKelvey book comes out, I feel like he's just 
going to get exponentially better until his hands fall off. Yeah, definitely. Well, this is, I think this is the strongest issue that they put out so far, issue number 20. Okay. Go check it out, dudes. You might even just be able to pick it up and read it. I don't know. Probably not. Probably but not. <laughs> it'll look good. Um, one that I read that I know you didn't was um, the latest issue of Island, which is the um, monthly anthology that Brandon Graham puts together, um, which always has something really cool in it. You know, like I think Brandon Graham has said that each, each issue he's going to try and have something um, – starting in that issue or at least a standalone story so that you can pick it up even if you haven't read the last ones um this was an exceptionally good issue because i mean with every anthology there's there's good ones and bad ones but in this um half of the book is a brand new michael deforge story who's um a really like um experimental interesting um cartoonist um and really brilliant really funny yeah i love i love michael deforge and this is one of his um such a fun series the whole um, story like the whole concept is that when when humans die on earth they are reborn on saturn Mm -hmm. and everyone's sort of living there on saturn and then saturn starts attacking earth but we can't um like they can't tell people because then people will just start committing suicide and then they become you know members of the army of saturn and it's like this um it's all being told to the the guy who has just become president and who has to make the decision to do we attack saturn or do we because if we attack saturn then when we die will we go to saturn and they'll it'll be barren and we'll uh, be stuck in this sort of hellish dimension or like, like it's really like it's a really complicated weird concept but told so so cleverly and so funny and like really brilliant interesting art with a great color palette yeah, and incredible Looks yeah i great. love it and the what my, my hesitation from getting island month to month is i haven't gotten every issue so yeah. far so they do a lot of um you know two three four part stories that are told across different issues of it but this is a uh, a one and done yeah, I mean, the second half issue. is a continuation of a Simon Roy story, which I had forgotten the first half of. Sure. Which, um, the, story, uh, the story you just spoke about, though, is, is a one Yeah, and that's done a one and done. And, oh, man, worth, it's worth, worth it. It's worth it because, yeah, it's worth it for the Michael DeForge. Um, I just saw that we've been talking for an hour and 40 minutes. So oh, wow. I, I, I will not be talking about the last three uh, comics that I read. Have mm. you got any, any, any notable ones? Nah, I read a couple more, but just... Guys, we're reading, we're reading we're a really ton of comics. Reading. We're reading. Oh, can we, can we both drop, agree to drop Brutal Nature? Yeah. Cool. Great. Cool. All right, nice. Great. great let me have this talk. Um, so, uh, with just a, a small amount of time in this episode left, um, although I want to read a quick little review that popped up on our iTunes this week, which, oh, I, which nice. I thought was real nice. Um, and you can, if you can, you can really leave a review of us um, uh, by going to iTunes, looking up serious issues and leaving us a nice little review if you feel so inclined. Uh, it helps many other people discover the podcast mm. and uh, it makes us feel good about doing this for free every week. So uh, so please, we, we would love it. I mean, I'm, I'm being paid. Levin's is doing it for free. <laughs> okay, good disclaimer. <laughs> uh, but this one was from uh, someone called Quirty IUWhip 179 Very, very catchy username. Beautiful, beautiful name. Um, Finally, a good comic book podcast that actually talks about comics. Hey. I really like the review of the week's comics. A great way to find out about new titles and even stay informed about ones not I'm not reading. Oh, so thanks. really, that is just our bio. That yeah. should, should be our bio. So, if uh, you want to know what comics came out this week, <laughs> we're the podcast for you. So thank you so much to QWERTY, I-O-U-P-179. May yeah, you remain you. as catchy as your username. Um, and uh, please leave us a nice review or even just get in touch with us and let us know what you like or dislike about the show because we're, you know, we're 11 episodes old and we're, we're, we're hoping to get to, you know, a thousand at yeah. some point. So, like, you know, if, 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 if there are anything that you would like us to start including or maybe we do too many comics a week, you know, we're always open to feedback. Absolutely. Uh, cool. So, we uh, another way you can get in touch with us is through our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Serious Issues Podcast. And that's exactly what um, Alexander Burnett has done. 
Um, he's asked us a couple of questions, and we're going to be answering one of them today. What has mm-hmm. he asked, Siobhan? Um, well, he, um, he said, I want to give Archie a try. Where should I start? Which is a great question. Yep, uh, because uh, as we've revealed in the past, Siobhan has a jug head from Archie Tattoo on her back. Yep. Um, and uh, is a lifelong Archie fan. I am. You would think the uh, guy whose son is named Archie would know more about Archie, but no, Siobhan absolutely destroys me. No, you're a fake. Comes- <laughs> you're a fake Archie geek boy. Well, what about my, my, my son's the fakest geek? He's called yeah. Archie. He doesn't even know. He doesn't even know what it is. Yeah, he doesn't, even, he doesn't know. even know who Moose is. Um, I put an R on his jersey the other day, and he was like, "Mo, my name is Archie. It should be an A." And I was like, "You don't even you don't, get you don't it, even Archie. Get this? You don't even get this." Um, yeah, I mean, Archie, Archie is an interesting universe to jump into. Um, I think the thing that's probably most confusing is that there's a couple of different um, publishers which have the rights to the older Archie strips. So um, Dark Horse do some printings, as well as IDW and Archie as a publisher themselves. Um, I think that my personal favorite way, or the way that I collect um, old Archie stuff, is um, through the reprints. The two mm-hmm. things that I collect, um, I, uh, IDW did some really awesome reprints, which are probably my favorite thing that I have, which um, they did these really big hardcover oversized printings um, organized by the artist. So um, they did the best of Dan DiCarlo, who's my favorite Archie artist. And Dan DiCarlo um, is really the guy who gave... Um, especially Betty and Veronica, their distinctive looks. Like, he is the guy that defined how the Archie universe looks for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the sort of style that was aped by everyone else for years and years. And he did the brilliant job of, um, you know, I think that if you're interested in Betty and Veronica stories, especially, Dan DiCarlo is where you should look because he did the best the best versions of those characters for me and um, really focused on their outfits and the style in a way that very few people do. Um, each outfit was... It was different every single time, and he obviously had a great love of it. Dan DiCarlo also did, um, when he wasn't doing Archie, he did a lot of, uh, like, Tijuana Bibles and pornographic comics. Um, and you can sort of see that influence <laughs> in a lot of the stuff. Like, he obviously has a great appreciation of the female form. Um, and he, he was also really good at um, physical comedy and facial expressions and gags. And I think that he is, he is the perfect Archie um, if you want to jump into the old strips, that's that's where I would recommend starting. For sure. My other favorite um, classic Archie artist is Harry Lucy, who I think if you um, are more interested in the sort of comedy side of things and the Archie and Jughead friendship, he did more of the Archie Jughead stuff. And um, probably the best cartoonist for physical comedy that I can think of. He's top of my list. Um, just really like the jokes hit so hard. They're so funny. They're so perfect. It's really... Really brilliant cartooning, I think. Um, so those are my two favourites from the IDW line. Yeah. Um, so Archie definitely started and, and for, for decades was mm. a, a comedy, you know, it was just a bunch of gags. Yeah, really. it was just a strip series, basically. And, and so when did it become like an ongoing story? Well, it's sort of interesting because there was um, this sort of like the Archie, the Archie universe and there were kind of ongoing um, ideas and plots throughout that and I think it was probably in the 90s when they started doing sort of events which I remember being advertised in all the little double digests that I bought at the news agents um, of things like love showdown and like finally who wins Betty or Veronica but it was all sort of you know everything went back to the status quo eventually because you just need it for the the next joke um, sure. and I think that they, they made they made a couple of attempts over the last um, five or ten years to sort of 
reinvigorate the Archie franchise. They did like, I remembered um, they actually tried to do the sort of reboot of the Archie universe a couple of years ago when they did this thing called Archie, the new look, which was very tragic and bad and don't look it up. It was terrible. Archie um, apocalypse. Yeah, <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was dreadful. Um, and life with Archie and a couple of series like that. But I think that if you're, if you're more interested in where, what Archie is now, you should definitely pick up the Mark Wade. Fiona Staples, the first trade of that, because that's 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 a perfect comic book as well. Definitely, and and uh, and, and in, in the in the in the back pages of both that Archie run and um and also Chip Zdarsky's Jughead, mm. they put classic strips at the end, yeah. classic stories, and they actually they very rarely um attribute the creators who did that. Is it because yeah. they don't know? Or? Well, it's yeah, I, I'm not actually sure because I collect also Dark Horse, who also have um the rights to the very early. Archie stuff, which is what they're reprinting in the backs. Um, they do these awesome Archie archives, which I have like ten volumes of, which I've right. barely touched. <laughs> um, but they, yeah, they don't talk too much about the creators there, and I think it's probably because they were sort of jobbing. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, which is a real bummer because um, there's some, there's some really weird, funny stuff in there, and it's really brilliant and bizarre, um, which I love. And I'd, I'd recommend checking out those Dark Horse collections as well. And they're they're reprinting them in soft cover, so they're not quite the sort of seventy five dollar hit to my wallet that they once were. Yeah, um, uh, yeah like, I mean, that th- th- those would be the areas that I would, if you want to get into the older Archie stuff, there's a couple of really easy avenues to do that now, yeah, which is so really cool. I've got, yeah, I mean, I've all, the, all the recent stuff, and of course, we, we, you know, we can't go through this conversation without bringing up Afterlife with Archie. No. And, um, and the recent Sabrina comic, which yeah. is like part of Archie horror. Mm-hmm. And they are like no holds barred, absolute horrific books. Yeah, that, absolutely. Um, absolutely modern and, and not that, you know, kind of, uh, cheap, cheerful kind of uh, classic uh, comedy capers that, that Archie is known for at all. No. Um, but, you know, that, that's what you can do when you have such a rich universe of characters that are so well-established, you know, this Absolutely. is what this person does and this is what, you know, this is, he's friends with this person and this person yeah. does this. And, and when know. they're such strong archetypes that you can do so much with, like Moose is the jock and Dilton is the nerd yep. and Reggie's the bad guy, you know, and there's there's so much fun to be had in that. Definitely. Um, and I think that um, the... You know the strength of Afterlife with Archie and Chilling Adventures of Sabrina a testament um, to the long-standing relevance and um, brilliance of those characters. And I think it's also cool because you can pick up those books and just love them without having ever read an Archie comic before. Mm. But if you have read an Archie comic, the you know storyline in Afterlife with Archie of Jason and Cheryl Blossom having a potentially incestuous affair is like hilarious to yeah. me like i love that that's so funny um and so you can get you know you can get more from it maybe Definitely. if you've read some of the the classic stuff yeah um what about like weird crossover comics because one comic that i love from the 80s so maybe it's 90s um is uh, archie and and punisher yeah which is um like it, it, it's uh, you know a marvel and archie crossover that actually works really well the, the punisher shows up in riverdale and Starts taking people down. Starts punishing. Yeah, um, and uh, it's actually like a, like like one of those few those few like you know classic that um, crossovers that are actually good. Mm. Um, are there any other ones like that? that I know there's, they did a Predator a, series. Yeah, last there's year Archie and, versus Predator, which I didn't read because no. it just seemed a bit um, cheap. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's there's not one um, off the top of my head that I think is amazing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else. I'm excited because they've just announced that we're getting a new Josie and the Pussycat series, yes. which I'm thrilled about because um, they haven't had their own title in 
20 years or so. Yeah. So that's really cool. Um, and they're also, also showing up in um, Afterlife with Archie very in the next issue as well, yep, which is exciting. Which is very cool. And um, the Adam Hughes, Betty and Veronica series is is hitting shelves in July. And I'm, <sighs> I'm excited, though. It's- it's the best time to be an Archie fan. It right? really it's, is. They've finally um, done like a, a reset button on on, on the on the universe in a good way. Yeah, like, and it, it respects worked. what's come before it with with the idea of modernizing it instead Absolutely. of this like you know this is popular. Let's just make Archie this now. Like yeah, like and I think I think that's exactly right. What you said. Um, it it is really respectful to the history and doesn't try and pretend like doesn't ignore that and doesn't like um you know Chip Zdarsky's Jughead series really brings in a lot of the weirder elements of classic Jughead um, comics like the the super spies and the superheroes and all the weird dream sequences that Jughead um, has. So Cool. So, yeah. Alex, what you need to do is, or anyone wants to get into Archie, pick up the uh, Mark Wayne and Fiona Staples, the first trade of, uh, of there, which collects um, the first four or five issues. Uh, it has the first six issues oh, and great. it also collects the first issue of Jughead in great. the back. Amazing. So that's a, that's a, that's a definite purchase. And definite then purchase. also get the first edition of uh, Dan DiCarlo's classic stuff, which is out through IDW mm-hmm. and a really cheap, affordable um, uh, paperback. Yeah. And beautifully, yeah. beautifully recolored and resized. And so, um, again, awesome. that, I think that has previews for other um, Archie books at the back of that one too, yeah, by, so. by other creators. So it's pretty easy to kind of get lost in that world. Mm. And if you can, if you want to find it, um, it's pretty easy to find the Archie and Predator uh, comics on mm-hmm. eBay. You should maybe around fifteen bucks for both of them. Yeah, uh, pretty reasonable price. Absolutely. Cool. Well, um, that is uh, the end of this edition. Oh, of one thing issues. I just wanted to no, say. No, it isn't. Yeah, come on. Sorry. <laughs> um, one thing I just wanted to say is we had um, at Kings, we had our first meetup of Queens of Kings, which is our women's um, reading group last night. I just want to say it was an absolute pleasure. Um, it was so much fun. We had so many cool ladies coming down and um, lots of lots of laughter and geeky chat, and it was it was the best. So I'm really excited to do the next one and keep an eye on our Facebook page. Yeah, um, which is. Uh, Facebook com slash Queens of Kings. Queens of Kings. I, don't, I don't know if we've actually got the proper thing. That's pretty bad. I'll check. But um, Just look up yeah. Queens of Kings. On yeah, Facebook. look up look up Queens of Kings. And of course, the the book that you read last night was uh, the first uh, trade of Why the Last Man. Yeah, by Brian K. Vaughan. Um, and uh, you're, you're you're currently in the hard process of deciding which is the next book you should read. Yeah, if anyone has any ideas, let me know. Yeah, let's try and get. I reckon try and get something with 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 a female writer. Yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> I sort of thought the Wild Wild Man was quite a funny one for the first. Great, totally. Great. Um, and it's a great book too. Volume, but yeah, with lots of strong female characters in it. So, Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, all right. Well, so before we end, what what are you looking forward to that's coming out this week? Yeah, what have we got coming out this week? Um, um, a whole bunch more DC Rebirth titles. Yeah. So we've got Batman number one, which will be cool. Um, and, and the first issues of Green Arrow, Green Lanterns, and Superman. So all the ones we got the Rebirth titles already. We also see the Titans Return in Titans mm. Rebirth number one. I don't know about that. Um, Also from DC, we have uh, Dark Knight Returns, The Last Crusade, which is like the prequel comic to Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns book with John Romita Jr. on art. It's just a red flag all the way for Mm. Siobhan. There's no way she's (laughs) going to like it. (laughs) Um, I've been enjoying The Dark Knight. um, I'm really looking forward to um, an IDW coming out this week. called Tales from the Dark Side, number one, which is the first uh, comic that Joe Hill and Gab- uh, Gabrielle Rodriguez have done since finishing Lock and Key, which is an excellent series that finished about two years ago now. And I'm really excited to see what they do next. Yeah, cool. Um, also, we get Scooby Apocalypse issue two, which I know we're both very excited about. And, uh, and Vote <laughs> Loki, number one, which is a, a new Loki comic about him running for president. That was, that's what it appears to be. It'd be interesting to see what it actually, I actually turns out to be. I've, I've, I've said before, I really, really would love a, 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 like a you know a Marvel take on the West Wing kind of comic. Yeah, totally. That'd be really fun. Um, 
what else? Uh, also, Hellcat issue seven that'll be cool. We'll get another issue of Jughead and um, issue six of Claws. Hell yes! And uh, Marvel have been putting out uh, the timely comics collections, um, in which you get the first three issues of uh, certain Marvel comics that have started in an all new, all different run. And uh, there's finally one that I want to pick up this week, mm. which is the Moon Girl issue. It's like they're like two bucks American for three issues. Yeah, pretty good. Um, really good. Value. Yeah, really good value. Easy. Well, um, you can find us online, facebook.com slash Serious Issues Podcast, or individually, uh, Siobhan CBG on mm-hmm. Instagram, and I'm at LevDog, L-E-V-D-O-W-G. Say hi to us. We love to talk comics with anybody who would love to talk to us back. You can also send us an email to seriousissues at kingscomics.com. Thanks, guys. See you next week. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.